Let's go down to ringside. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys very much for being back with us here for episode number 167. It is a new month. It is March 2nd, 2020, and we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling yet again. I'm Joe Murata, joined by Michael Quinn. How you doing there, Michael? Howdy-doody. Happy March, Michael. Happy March. Happy March. Spring is upon us, right? Spring is uh, impending here, it's and it is springing forward. Yeah, we'll be springing forward next is that, week. Is that actually, what they yeah, say? That's, yeah, yes, spring they do. Fo- oh, the the time, right? Yeah, the time will be springing forward, and folks, it is time to spring over uh, to Twitter if you want to follow us there at OVP Podcast. You like that one, Quinn? Yeah, that was good. Pretty good segue. Very, very great. <laughs> it is WrestleMania season, so uh, on our Twitter, there's going to be a lot of WrestleMania related clips being posted on a daily basis throughout March as we build to uh, the granddaddy of them all. I think it's called. That, that's what they say. Yeah. I don't know how it became a granddaddy. Like out they, they, they were saying that like less than ten years in, the granddaddy of them all. <laughs> they were didn't even have children yet no, at that point. It's very it wasn't true. Even twenty. It wasn't, wasn't even twenty. Even, it wasn't even eighteen. Young me, grandparents, yeah. the hip grandparents that wore hoodies and stuff like that. Yeah, and actually, it's not even old enough to have grandkids yet. Whether you do or don't have grandkids, or whether you care about WrestleMania as a grandparental status, mm-hmm. you can follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you want to send us a nice letter or something like that. Yeah, letter. <laughs> OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, there's a really good place to talk to you and me and hundreds upon hundreds, almost a thousand retro wrestling fanatics. It's over on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook.com slash WrestleMania Junior. Yes, it's very a good. site where you can talk about WrestleMania's grandkids. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, there's a search bar over there and it can transport you into the action of wrestling. Right. right. You type into that search bar, our vantage point, death, retro wrestling podcast, bing bang, boom, tubes, gore, kaflooey. The stuff happens. Right. You, you hit the join button on the group. Someone lets you in. The operators, obviously. Yeah, they're standing by. The three, four people who it's operate. Four of us, yeah. They operate. Yes. They operate. They let you in. And once you're in, oh man. Yeah. Is, it, is, is it a whole new world for you or what? So, so much kaflooey, grandkids. Yeah. You, it's amazing. <laughs> you can talk about old wrestling. You can talk about anything really related to old wrestling. What I mean by that is it's not just WWF, maybe WC. WAWA if you're Ruben Vasquez, any of the territories, even if you want to sprinkle in, you know, a little new stuff. We have one major rule there to try to differentiate ourselves from the wrestling Twitter and message boards out there on I the think internet. I know it. What is it? Don't join the ding guy. No, don't be a dingus. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> there it is. It just be nice to each other. You don't have to agree on everything, obviously. But be nice to each other. No personal attacks, stuff like that. We think you'll find it a very calm, welcoming, and refreshing place to talk about your retro wrestling. Very calming. Very calming. Uh, also, Quinn, on Patreon, mm-hmm. this is big because uh, WrestleMania 5 is out right now on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Uh, a lot of good feedback on that. Normally, we don't 
show yeah. ourselves so much, but people seem to really like our WrestleMania they seem five to review. Like the big V, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's my name for it. Yeah, that's people out there really like that V, uh, flying if, V. If you want to get your hands on the V, <clears throat> you can uh, go to patreoncom slash podcast On the five dollar tier, you're going to get that and all of the content that we offer on Patreon, and we'll talk a little bit more about it later. We don't want to bore you with all the details now. We have a segment to do. We do. This is the influencer segment, Quinn. What is this segment all about? It's all about the people that uh, made wrestling good with their influence, basically. Yeah, it's essentially a, what it is, folks. A very basic explanation. No, but it's actually a perfect explanation. We've been taking people, places, or things, essentially, that have influenced wrestling from the past and to get to where we are today. For example, we've talked about such things as Superstar Billy Graham. Right. We talked about ECW last week. Mm-hmm. We talked about Roddy Piper and Piper's Pit. Things like that. Things that happened that kind of shaped the wrestling landscape. Right. And this one was actually a kind of passive-aggressive request by Dan Lopez, who I love. He's a great <laughs> member on the board there. His exact words were, I know you won't do it, but right. Gorgeous George. Guess what, Dan? Don't challenge us, because we're talking about Gorgeous George today, Quinn. We're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. But to fully understand the remarkable career of Gorgeous George, we have to travel back to his roots. Joe, do you know anything about Gorgeous George? You know what? I do know a little bit about Gorgeous George. (laughs) So uh, one of the recurring things on here is anytime we talk about people like Billy Graham and stuff like that, we always have this little joke. It all goes back to Gorgeous George. Right. Well, we have been saying that. It's kind of like this whole influencer thing. I feel like we should have just done him first because it's all comes off of him. So you probably have heard of Gorgeous George. It's not someone we talk about a lot here because he obviously wrestled pre-retro like now, he, we're not okay so we're not talking about the lady gorgeous george so no. right like i'm just making sure there's a lot of people who are like well, i don't know about right I, yeah gorgeous george is a girl what are you talking yeah, about stephanie beller's the macho yeah. man's uh valet in the team madness or whatever no 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 we're talking about gorgeous george wagner who wrestled in the 40s and 50s and into the 60s the pre-retro era Right, right. Pre-retro. <laughs> Pre-retro. Not, this is ancient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this was during a time period where Ric Flair was fighting cavemen and, right. and stuff like that. Exactly. The cave paintings were being made. Right. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon was winding his career down, obviously. I actually, <laughs> actually, I think Gorilla Monsoon might have even been in a crib. Like, <laughs> this was. was a long time ago. Yeah. So transport yourselves, if you will, to the early 1940s. What's TV? I don't know. I, I, I don't know anything about this television thing. I listen if, to I, the radio. Yeah, if I'm living back then, I you know, I get my sports on the radio. Right. I call the baseball game. Mel Allen. Maybe there'll be football with people with the leather helmets. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Art Donovan. Yeah. Uh, people on commercials talking like this, you know, uh, Stephanie voices. And, <laughs> yeah, this shit like that. Right. But then TV starts to come into play in the later part of the 40s. And as we get to television, we'll talk about a guy. That actually really was influential not only to wrestling, but possibly pop culture and television in general. And his name was Gorgeous George. Now, Gorgeous George, uh, who was uh, born in Butt, Nebraska. <laughs> really put the butts in seats, huh? <laughs> How? <laughs> and when was this? 1897 or something? He, he was like, born in 1915. Okay. So he was born uh, during, during World War One. He was a small guy. He was about 5'9". He was about my size. You like that one, Crockett? Okay, because yeah. Crockett likes to make fun of me for being short. Uh, he could have been, been the midget division. Thank you, Quinn. Against Butch Cassidy <laughs> or whatever that guy up. was on 83. <laughs> <laughs> Little Beaver was probably already wrestling. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, he became a wrestler. and But he, you know, he didn't have much to stand out. He wasn't a physically imposing, like I said, a littler guy. Until in the early 1940s, about 1941, he uh, happened upon a gimmick. In mm-hmm. wrestling. Whoa, a gimmick. By but, dyeing his hair blonde. 
Uh, did they have those back then? Gimmick? Not much of them. Yeah. Now, well, Farmer Burns, I don't think he was a real farmer. I don't, he didn't look like one. Yeah, so he had a gimmick, I guess. So there were a little bit of gimmickry here and there, but by this time, wrestling had already been worked. It had already been the, the professional wrestling that we know about in terms of the competition being staged, if you want to be kind about it, right? Mm-hmm. But Gorgeous George stumbled upon dyeing his hair blonde and adopting somewhat of an effeminate, holier-than-thou yeah. Very uh, dainty, delicate persona. The human orchid, he called himself. Now, now, the things I remember, I think I've seen a Gorgeous George match or two on some old tape from the 90s, sure. 50s matches on it. The thing I remember the most is there was like a girl or something with him or maybe a butler. He had a, a lady with him usually, yeah. And, and they were like helping him take his robe off and it was just pissing everyone off. Yes. Like, and he's like looking at a mirror. Right. And there's perfume. Chanel spray. number 10, he called yeah. it. Why be half safe? Now look, George, don't be sensitive because the customers are hooting and yelling. What else can you expect, dear boy? That's what he called it. Is that real? Yeah, and he had bobby pins, but he called them Georgie pins. Oh, look at that. (laughs) As he's trying to shill those. Yeah. And they'll sell bobby pins in the crowd. But you got to picture 1940s and early 1950s culture in the United States. We're talking post-war, you know, basically, where, you know, a man was a man, damn it, with a crew cut... Girls were girls and men were men, as they sang on All in the Family. That's right, Archie. Didn't our LaSalle run great? Like, <laughs> yes, it did. This is all relevant to, to Gorgeous George. It's real. You know, I wish we could have a man like Herbert Hoover again, right. honestly. We're talking about Hoover. That's the era we're talking about, though. about Hoover. And, <laughs> and Gorgeous George, first of all, to have long hair. I mean, right. when the Beatles came, and this is the early 60s to America, their hair was considered long. Yeah, and it was short at that point. <laughs> right. It was like just the mop top. Yeah, it was not just, even that long. It was just a little shaggy. How many of all that you have to wear those things? Two yeah. of us. I'm bold. Oh, we're all bold. Don't yeah. tell anyone, please. I'm deaf and dumb, too. So to consider a guy with longish blonde hair that he was clearly platinum blonde like a Marilyn Monroe it would go like on to curls, be. curls too so he yes. was like a Barbie doll or something. He was like, primped. Yeah. It was, it was weird back then. And you know what happened? People freaking hated it. They love to boo this guy. They're like, right. boo! Yeah, you stink. You have a robe. Boo this yeah, man. Yeah. You know? yeah, boo this man. <laughs> boo this man. But here's what, this is like a crossroads, right? Because much in the way that in the 80s with Hulk Hogan, just to draw a quick comparison, where Television and Sunday morning cartoons and action figures and superheroes and video games all converged at the same time as Hulk Hogan, right, right. in the mid to late 80s. Mm-hmm. At this time, television was rapidly becoming more and more and more the medium in which Americans consume their entertainment and their news and everything right. to the so, like. So in the late 40s, TV came out and... How many TVs did what, it was like thirty five thousand or some shit at the yeah, beginning? Like forty eight or something like that, right? By the end of the sixties, this is 50s. by the end of like the gorgeous George yeah, era. By the by end the of the fifties, fifties. Sorry, the beginning of the sixties. Yeah. There was like fifty, 50 million. million TVs. Like, right. So imagine that kind of growth right. while this guy's career was taking place on television on the three channels <laughs> that existed. So like you didn't really have a choice. You were like, well, got to watch the wrestling now. Right. This is the Dumont Television Network. One of the things that was great about wrestling on television in the 50s is it was very cheap to produce. You put right. a camera or two in the arena. Get a ring. Get, yeah, get a ring, Get what, which they're going to do the matches anyway, right? Right. So just put a couple of cameras in there, get some guy to announce it, because mm-hmm. it didn't matter back then. Just, just get the local weatherman. To, literally, like, though. Literally, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, there he is. Gorgeous George. You know, that type yeah. of thing. And there go the Georgie pins. With a delicate little flip of the wrist. 
and people were glued to this stuff. And there are historians, I'm talking television scholars and historians, that actually credit Gorgeous George with not only shaping wrestling, but shaping television, selling television in much the same way that a Milton Berle mm-hmm. or a Bob Hope or a Lucille Ball did. This right. is the type of celebrity this guy was on. I mean, he was... It- in essence, one of the few athletes on television at this point, too, because, I mean, like, they didn't, you know, necessarily have, like, one baseball player all the right. time on TV or something like that, right? Joe DiMaggio would be maybe the guy around, well, even DiMaggio retired in 51, so right. maybe That's Mickey I mean. Mantle, yeah. Yeah, because, well, the Mickey Mantle shit really didn't build to the sixth, the, the, the sixth, yeah. yeah, late 50s and stuff, so. So, I mean, this was. He was, like, the premier athlete, right. and he looked like a girl. This was a guy, <laughs> yeah, and he would draw the heat. And this was a guy that people hated, loved to hate, because they knew. You right. know, people kind of knew, all right, this isn't a legitimate sport, even yeah. back then. Now, I got to say this, though. It's a very good juxtaposition to the shooters of the day that were popular, like Your Bruno Luthes. San Martino and Lutez and yep. shit. Those 50s era, like, here's this guy who, who acts all prim and stuff like that, facing these rugged, manly men with chest hair. Right, and, Whipper like, Billy Watson, people yep. like that. Just wear their underpants and just come in and just... Yeah kill you hair like, suit balding yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally yeah. they all just, look like old men even though they're like 25 like <laughs> clamp on that headlock you yeah. know for 12 minutes cauliflower ears <laughs> like all this shit right missing teeth sometimes yeah. missing memories sometimes yeah and here you have this guy you know a lot of people think of him as kind of like billy graham all gimmick right but he could wrestle in fact even luthez who did not fuck around. Right. Like, Luthez was just a straight shooter, both in the ring and in speaking. Also the best at color and commentation. Don't forget. Fantastic yeah. at it. He even said, you know, he's a good wrestler. I don't like the gimmick, but he was a good wrestler. Yeah, and this speaks to, like, I think what's interesting about this is that back then you really couldn't be in wrestling if you didn't know how to wrestle. It was, like, still that kind of thing. There didn't exist the, like, showmanship part. Yes, he could wrestle. Strangers may seem he's a good wrestler. Gorgeous George could wrestle. What Gorgeous George was doing was putting the showmanship, like, coat of paint on top of, like, somebody who could wrestle you amateurly. I yes. Yeah. No, literally, who yeah. could do, like, the freestyle, amateur-style wrestling, right? Right. So, Gorgeous George, influence-wise, I'm not going to say he's the first ever, ever gimmick, but he's the first notable one. Right. Real gimmick, where this is a, a character. And what I mean by character is, you might, you know, you, you stand out from a glut of other people. For example... People that might not have watched basketball a lot in the mid-90s, they knew who Dennis Rodman was. Right, because he was a character. He wasn't Scottie Pippen, who was just right. a guy that played basketball right. in the Knicks. And like, he might you know not, what I mean? Right, and he might not have been the greatest player yeah. like Michael Jordan, and for I, example. And I said Scottie Pippen played on the Knicks like an idiot. Yeah, it would be the Bulls. Yeah. It's okay. Don't yeah. worry about it, Quinn. Okay. No one's judging you. You just you misspoke. But Dennis Rodman <laughs> stood out because he had the the crazy hair colors. Right. You could spot the guy. Most people that don't watch MMA might still know who Conor McGregor is, for example. Right. Someone that stands out. A gorgeous George might not have been the best wrestler, but he stood the hell out, and that's what really was needed to have a wrestling boom. Yeah. No. You you needed it because honestly, this wrestling shit. It's honestly extremely boring without it unless you're like really into that type of thing yeah it is i mean and you can't sell it to the mainstream yeah i mean who wants to watch some guys rolling around for 50 minutes like dave Meltzer. no but seriously like (laughs) even even the Meltzer stuff that Meltzer like in japan yeah that shit is gimmicked up beyond belief oh yeah of course it it is you know what i mean like they're they're jumping and doing you don't really do that in a 
in a real no. wrestling match. You, no. you, you're like, I got to get the guy on the fucking ground. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, clap a hold on, right? Right, exactly. So that's one of the things about Gorgeous George. Uh, he also, from what I understand, entered the ring to Pomp and Circumstance, which would later become Randy Savage's yeah, Macho theme. Man. I don't think that influenced the Macho Man per se. No, think, like, I'm sure someone was like, like, I want to be like Gorgeous George, so here's his music. No, you know? but I'm sure someone picked it and was like, this is a good fit for you. you know? Right, exactly. So you're thinking of people that had gimmicks. You're thinking of people that you know adopted personas. Gorgeous George was an influence indirectly or directly on people such as Billy Graham. Right. On people like Randy Savage. On either of the Nature Boys, Buddy Rogers or Ric Flair. Even uh, non-wrestlers, Muhammad Ali. Right, yeah. Muhammad Ali yeah. has said he was inspired by Gorgeous George. I saw a wrestler once named Gorgeous George, and the place was jam-packed with people. Cars was lined up for miles. They hated Gorgeous George. They wanted him to beat, but they paid $100 a ringside seat. James Brown has said that from a theatrical, showmanship, flamboyancy point of view, he was inspired by Gorgeous George. Gorgeous George was more than just a wrestler that people knew about. He was a pop culture figure 30 years before Hulk Hogan. He was, a, he was like the idea of a live performer. Because, honestly, in the 50s, I mean, he started in, like, the late 40s. Early 40s. Even, like, your most flamboyant kind of performing thing, I guess, would be, like, jazz singers in the late 40s. Like, because rock and roll hadn't really started no, yet. No, it hadn't. And, not and jazz was kind of the, the that was the prevailing like cool music right that was the before, cool music yeah. rock and roll jazz bebop stuff like yeah. that right so that i mean this is a guy that was you know it's a different craft obviously it's not music but the idea of performing on a stage that's in front of live people on a television that was new yeah, exactly it yeah. was new no one had really been doing that it was all in, in its infancy so i think the wrestling business in general his influence is so broad that the wrestling business in general owes a debt of gratitude to Gorgeous George. Oh, yeah. Because he set a precedent. Right. It's no, he's like a no doubt Hall of Famer. To me, it was always a matter of time yep. at WWF. Now that once they said this is for everybody, I was oh, like, well, yeah. Gorgeous George has to be Gotta in be it. In. Like, he's like kind of like the base character, right? Yeah. Like, literally, like the one of the first gimmicks ever yeah. platinum blonde hair, entrance music, robe, gimmickry out the ass, right? Yeah. Just everything about it. And again, like we said, we, there's so many people that you could point to and say, well, if Gorgeous George hadn't set this precedent, who knows if there'd be a Buddy Rogers? Who knows if there'd be a Ric Flair? Right. The only character in wrestling before this was literally the, the straight shooter guy. Like, and that was pretty every much. character. Yeah, pretty like, much. That he introduced that there was another character yeah, that he could be. A new archetype, yeah. if you will. A new trope, so right. to speak. The, the flamboyant, right. you know, he can handle himself in the ring, but he's kind of like, a girl yeah so, like you want you want to see him get his ass whooped right you know and things like this were picked up on people like uh adrian street right adrian adonis right buddy rose the chicken shit heel in general like rick rude or early sure. sean michaels yeah, like yeah. you know what i mean like oh, absolutely. That, that character austin idol yeah. you know billy graham a lot of things were picked up like just bits and pieces of what gorgeous george brought to the table <laughs> different people picked up so his influence is you know, huge in wrestling. Like we said, it inspired people in other forms of entertainment. Who know? Liberace, for all we know, could have, yeah. because he came before Liberace. I think that, I think what you can say about his influence at the most is that it's all different directions and all different types of things, whether it be gimmick, style, performance. Persona, yeah. Yeah. Like all that's, he's kind of probably the most influential wrestler ever. I, I don't think that's like, being too hyperbolic you know like no i think you're right like i, I really think yeah. so 
seriously with the robe like the robes that's taken for granted now but he was like the first one to really do these big majestic ridiculous robes and just on top of it like even if it's not a robe just ring gear yeah. Gen- like stuff you come out to like <laughs> right. nobody did they again they all just came out in their fucking underpants yeah, and, and maybe just a jacket rolled around like maybe a members only coat like that was it a softball windbreaker yeah. like one of those things yeah just to keep warm like not even like not even for any reason right with maybe a towel around their yeah. neck right yeah. like bobby Backlund continued to do into the 90s yeah exactly so i think that gorgeous george is yeah like you said maybe the most influential wrestler ever to wrestling but also Again, the first wrestler that I know of, maybe in Japan, there was Ricky Dozen, but even was he after Gorgeous George? Right I'm, around. I'm not six, sure the time 50s, period, 60s. but but we're talking U.S. right? Yeah, in the U.S., the first real wrestler to really truly break into the mainstream. Now this is like 50 years after you know Hackenschmidt and Gotch, but that was a different era of wrestling. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. No, I mean it that, was like 1908 or something, and that's also in the rolling around for an hour. Correct. Era, like, it's, it's a little bit different, yeah. but in terms of the first wrestling boom, the golden age of wrestling, it was Gorgeous George all the way. There's no doubt about it. Definitely, and he really helped shape American pop culture of that time. And I think the list of what it could have possibly influenced is very vast very expansive so if you have any ideas on that folks let us know but this is a tip of the cap to gorgeous george finally yeah. getting his own dedicated segment here dan lopez really a guy that his influence is endless really seriously so if you have any more ideas on who he could have influenced what he could have influ- influenced let us know you can do that on twitter at ovp podcast shoot us an email ovp podcast at gmail.com or join the group but quinn will we come back two more names of the best managers of all time we're going to be pulled out of the tank we're going to see where they rank that's right it is the royal rankings of managers and that is coming up right after this all of me why not take all of me can't you see i'm no good without you waiting for gorgeous george to enter the ring here goes the White bath mat. This is quite a presentation. Gorgeous George of Beaumont, California, will soon be making his entrance into the ring, the human orchid, complete with Bobby or Georgie pins, pardon me, Georgie pins, and the entire makeup that makes for one of the greatest presentations in wrestling today. And here he comes. Gorgeous George with his police escort. And there he is, Gorgeous George. Color or no color, this would be a beautiful costume. It's an amazing red. We should be a fashion expert for this. It's an amazing, it's a red, a persimmon red color with sequins in large and small circles in and out of beautiful gown. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you again, guys, for being with us here for episode number 167, Monday, March the 2nd, 2020. Hello there, Michael. Hello. Hello. We have Patreon, we mentioned. Yeah, Patreon. We have one. We have it. Um, we signed up. Yep. Um, our account is made. 
and you can sign up for like you can be friends of our account. I yeah, guess. Yeah. But this is there's a price, obviously. Yeah, but it's, it's Patreon. Very low price. Very uh, very low. Do you know the the URL? It's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Very simple, isn't I it? I tend to go to that site a lot. You do? You check yeah. it out sometimes? Because well, I got to post the videos. Oh, yeah, you yeah. have to go there, right? So if you want to go there, folks, go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. We try to make this as affordable as possible. Give you the most bang for your buck. Lots have, of bang. A lot of bang. We have Little buck. A very few buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have three tiers. Two, three, and five dollars. I'm going to start at the five dollar and we'll tell you what the other ones are. Okay. okay? For five dollars, that's going to get you everything. And what that is on the $5 tier is the monthly pay-per-view reviews. We mm-hmm. mentioned those. Yeah, a lot of people like them. WrestleMania V. Yeah, WrestleMania V is out now. One, but all the other pay-per-views are on there now. All the way back to WrestleMania 1. You get right. all of those. Uh, this month for March will be SummerSlam 89. We're just going in order. So that's $5 a month. Now, what that also includes is on the $3 tier, you get the bi-weekly 1983 live reviews. And that is fun because it's very casual. It's Quinn and I sitting here, and it's on video or audio. Mm-hmm. And we're just watching championship wrestling from 83 in order. Yeah. I mean, eventually, we'll make it up to uh, Raw last week. Yeah. You know, it'll take us a couple months. Take but... us a couple months. Yeah. yeah. So those are fun. Those are, again, available in video and audio form. And those come out every other Friday. That's on the $3 tier. And then on the $2 tier, you get the raw video of the making of every single Monday episode, including the one you're listening to right now. You can see my proud Book in the Territory shirt that I'm wearing. Really putting over our show on the video. It's amazing. Yeah, tip of the cap to Mike Mills there. Uh, But not only that, you get a back archive of our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley extras that we did. There's like 12 of those. And there's over 30 OVP commentaries from the WWE Network where we basically take a match and we talk about it. And you can sync up on the network or not. So again, that's two, three, or five dollars a month. And if you sign up, it'll really, you know, we'll appreciate it. If you don't, that's okay. We understand some people either don't want to or can't afford to. We totally get it. We're just thankful that you're listening to the free show. But if you're interested in helping us out and getting some extra content, mm-hmm. patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Now, Michael. Yes. This is the serious segment. Very um, serious. Okay. Like I said, Meltzer is was watching us. Um, oh, no. I mean, really? He, he's getting ready to put it in the Observer. Yes. Like, he's, he's listening with bated breath yep. at this podcast right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's just saying match a lot. And, with tuna and, breath. And he's like, match. This is good podcast match. <laughs> like, you know, like he's doing it. And he's like, what are the rankings this week? I got to put it in the Observer. Right. Well, right? It matters. It's so... It has so much matter. So this is what <laughs> this is what the, the Royal Rankings are. If you're new to the show and you're somehow still with us here, God bless you. The Royal Rankings is before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give a list of the 10 best and 10 worst of something. For this season, it was managers. Our good friend Joe Merkel took all of the votes, tallied them up, and we have two separate tanks, the best and the worst. Thank God for his abacus. Seriously, Joe yeah. Merkel and his abacus really coming through for us. So right now, we have six managers on the board for the best. This is the Royal Rankings this week. Next week will be the flush again. By the end of the season, what you're going to have is the definitive, scientifically proven, non-GMO, organic, USDA organic, yes. natural, all natural, no preservatives, ordained and healthy, pasteurized, pasteurized, best and worst managers of all time so let's it's quite a amazing thing. there's a lot of things the, going the, on the, here all that stuff applies to this list it does so let's run it down right here this has been a very tough list lately in all seriousness and tough at number one i still have reservations about this but at number one is jimmy hart baby 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 yeah yeah, yeah. number two really should be the number one but i didn't have time no. to con- quinn no jim Cornette. Hey, he's not number one so uh, <laughs> I win. <laughs> I win. Yeah. Number three, Sherry Martell. Holding I, I strong. Still should be number two. But we, Okay, calm down. Uh, number four, 
Paul Heyman. A very hey man. Yeah, hey man. Number five, Paul Bear. Paul, another Paul. Two Pauls in a row. Yeah, it's two Pauls. I wonder if they'll stick next to each other. You know, but two Pauls, they stay. There's not enough room together. for anyone to be next to Paul They're Heyman. They're holding hands tightly, <laughs> trying to not get split apart. <laughs> and at number six, where he should be, J.J. Dillon. What? He's not that good. <laughs> he could have been number three or nah, if, I don't he, think if so, he tried Quinn. harder so that's the uh, <laughs> he didn't try hard enough yeah that is the six on the board now very short we're going to be pulling two more out of the tank we're going to see where they rank so without any further ado let's go down to howard finkel for the royal rankings ladies and gentlemen it is now time About the happiest man in the world. Hey, I can resort to showing my body. I got a 32 inch waist. I'll tell you the biggest surprise your employment. The dream that he too was going to someday be a champion. You sorry excuse for a human. You sorry excuse for a man. You can have Sinatra, Tom Jones, you can have anybody you want. The Misfits, I don't care. Oh, baby, I love you, yes, I do. It is the Royal Rankings here of managers. I'm very excited, Quinn, because this is very important. It's the most important thing we do. It's very scientific. Yes. And it's very official. Very organic. It's amazing. You can let us know if you agree or disagree with the rankings here, but we're just using science, folks. So much science. A lot of it. Who do we have this week, Joseph? Well, let's run it down one more time here, and then we'll get some entrance out here. So real quick, if you're keeping score at home with your notebook and your pen, at number one, Jimmy Hart. Two, Jim Cornette. Three, Sherry Martell. Number four is Paul Heyman. Five is Paul Bearer. And six is J.J. Dillon. That's who we got on the board right now, Michael. But it's time to bring someone else out. Bring him out. The Open fan, the doors. The fans are waiting. He's walking through. Let's all find out who drew number seven. If the one-man gang had to go get the natural butch Reed, who would win? The sixth the Doctor of Style Slick. Jive Soul Bro. Jive Soul Bro. Blaring through the arena here. Yep. Such I, a great song. I love this song and I love Slick. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm a tiny bit surprised that he made it. I am, too, just because he's, like, generally the D-tier manager. Yeah. Like, they always did this. He switches off with Fuji yeah. in that era as far as the least important manager. It's true. However, the Slickster, he's got... So much character. Like, he really does. I just can't help but love him because he he's so goofy. Like that the whole the outfit, the dancing, having his own music. His, like yeah. what manager has his own music? That's his music, right? All his like people just use his <laughs> it's music. True. It's, it's nobody does that. It's true. And a very good promo, very entertaining promo, very right. entertaining talker. So slick Kenneth Johnson. He did start the. Doctor of Style character before the WWF. Oh, did he now? He was down in uh, Texas, All-Star Wrestling, and mm-hmm. also in Central States. But you know what, Brody? <laughs> being a tough guy and being a smart guy, well, let's put it this way. Everybody's going to find out why when you were born, your mama took one look at you and called you Bruiser. 
how WF of him to like do it before because that's all they were back then was yeah. just like let's take the best people from everywhere and yep. just put them in one company. Yep. So down in Central States, he was a manager. Uh, no one too notable, but Butch Reed was one of the guys in Central States that he uh-huh. managed. There so you there's go. a connection there. Bulldog Bob Brown, a few others, but his WWF debut was uh, I always love the story because he comes in in the summer of 86, right? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I love the way they did this. Fred Blassie, who I cannot believe was still managing I mean, he in 86. was a thousand years old, I think. Back, yeah. That's about right. Yeah, right? about a thousand. Yeah. Maybe 998. I can't okay. remember. Close enough. Close, though. He was still managing in 86, but clearly he was winding down. So the way they do this to phase Blassie out is they have Slick come in and buy a half, like a 50% interest in Blassie's stable of wrestlers. I am the new dude here on the scene, and I got more money than any living human being. Slick is my name. Pain is my game. And I am a man of worldwide fame. And this allows Blassie to just go away, essentially. Right. And, and Slick just takes over. I mean, he's used to 50 50 it anyway. Remember, even Stevens, he With sold Steven. 50% there also. <laughs> so it's, it's this very natural evolution of that concept. Yep. So uh, among the people that Slick managed during this period of time were uh, Volkoff and Sheik, who mm-hmm. had been managed by Blassie. Now they're managed by Slick. He also, I love this. He sells Hercules' contract to Bobby Heenan, which is just... Why is Slick dealing out? He already, like, inherited only 50. I love it, though, right? It's just like, he's like, I don't want Hercules anymore. dealing and dealing. Yeah, fuck Hercules. I don't want him. And he uh, quickly established himself as a character, just a flat-out character. The Doctor of Style thing was played up by the wrestlers all the time. Oh, yeah. Gorilla, of course, but oh, his clothes suck. I hate his clothes. Always like, I wouldn't buy a used car from him and all this stuff. Stuff. And one of the things about Slick that I've still yet to figure out is what was he? Yeah, no, okay, so this is always a point of contention. I don't know, like, what they were suggesting with his money. Was he, like, I don't know, like, was he an organized crime or something? Right. Like, he dresses, like, gangster-like. Did he deal in the escort service? Yeah, like, there could be all of this stuff. Recreational medicine distribution? Yeah. We're not sure. But they never say. They no, of course not. ever say. You know what it is? It's just that, like, I think it's because he has, like, the flamboyant, like, pimp hat, essentially, no, on all cane. the time. He has a cane. And though. a cane. He doesn't and, need it to walk. Yeah, so this is why the suggestion is weird. Nowadays, they would, like, never do this. No, they like, wouldn't, because it, like, it would it's, get... Yeah, it's too much. It's but too much. Back then, like, it was kind of a visual cue to the fans and the audience that this guy... He's up to something. He's maybe not on the up and up. Right. I, he might do stuff on the side that we're not aware of, and that's why he has money to invest in all these wrestlers. And that was, you know, very subtly suggested by the announcers sometimes, right, you know, yeah. like how untrustworthy he was and how slimy he was. Yeah, you know? exactly. So he managed those guys. He also uh, managed, he managed a bunch of people throughout his tenure. Butch Reed. Notably, yes. in 87, 88. Yeah, Butch Reed was a big thing for him, right? It was. No, it was a big deal for him. Because when he came in, they were like acting like he was going to fight Hulk Hogan and shit, right? Because well, he was a big star in uh, Mid-South, where he had come from, Hacksaw Butch Reed. It didn't really pan out too well for Reed in WWF. Yeah. But he had potential. He did. One man gang who, by the way, we have developed, I think, a brand new affinity for. So the gang lately. is actually like secretly like really good. Really good. And it's a shame that they changed him into Akeem. 
Like it, it, it is. I mean, he was really rolling. Like he at was, that point, he like, was so good. I don't know, like what the and that was like all slick too. Like the way they did that, yep. like it's like slicks taking you to the deepest, darkest of Africa. Yeah, that whole like really shitty thing. But he was an excellent wrestler. Yeah, one man gang, a uh, world title contender to Hulk Hogan as a one man gang, mm-hmm. and obviously as a Kimi was still involved in a major storyline in '89. Right. Big Boss Man, another one that Slick managed yep. in 88. It's a shame Slick couldn't stick around with the Boss Man because he would become kind of a big deal in the WF. He did. Uh, I'll give Slick credit. He managed Boss Man to a world title contention in uh, 88, 89 against Hogan. Yeah, national even television. at the beginning of 90, they were still tossing that around, weren't and they? Towards the end of 89, yeah. yeah. Towards the end, I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Pretty good roster of people. It was some world title shots with both Boss Man and One Man Gang. But remember one thing, Hogan. Come on in, brother. You haven't stood up against a big 747. He also, unfortunately, managed the Bolsheviks, who sucked. Yeah, they were butt. <laughs> and he had them like, forever. Like, to me, that... Like, you know, what, seven to nine. Okay, what's crazy is that's, like, literally from when Slick comes in and inherits Volkov and Sheik or whatever. Yeah. To, like... You know, then the cocaine with the sheik. Yeah, the sheik and Doug and smoke the crunk. (laughs) And then, like, now he brings in the other guy, Boris. Boris, He sucks so much. (laughs) He's so bad. And they never win anything. Literally, I was trying to, like, remember his name just now. That's how bad he is. (laughs) To me, he's just the guy whose head turns red. Very red. Yeah. Very, very red. I mean, like, I know his name, Boris Zukov or whatever. It's just like sometimes, you know, sometimes a guy is so irrelevant that you, like, (laughs) In the in the spur of the moment when you're doing a podcast, you don't even remember his name. And that's quite all right, Glenn. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That's okay. Uh, another team that he managed, and they're probably a little underrated because of one person associated with it, is uh, Power and Glory were actually kind of a hot team when they first started in 90. They got right. quickly phased out when the LOD came in. Yeah, Sour and Glory. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't needed. But for a little while there in the summer of 90, late 90, Power and Glory was got a push and Slick was behind that. Yeah, and another thing that Slick picked up, and this is not a good thing, Bobby Heenan got the better deal here, is in March of 1990, Fuji's like, I got the Orient Express, so he sells the powers of pain off. Right. Bobby gets the good deal because he spent a lot of money. Spent, spent a lot, lot of money. money. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. And he got the Barbarian. Warlord was uh, went over to Slick, so Slick got saddled there. <sighs> and then he became magical or whatever the he was. wand version. Half of his face turned to metal. and like <laughs> No metal. man can escape my fall Nelson. He's such crap. All he cares about is Domino's Pizza. <laughs> That's true. And the Warlord, all he's interested in is Domino's Pizza. Give me a break here. So Slick had them. And then this is what happened with uh, Slick's career. So he's got a you know middling career. And by the end of 91, Paul Rome is gone. Hercules doesn't have Slick anymore. Hercules already was dumped. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't it fitting that the, by the time Slick got Hercules back, he was like fat and, and wore pants? Yeah. Like it was <laughs> shitty. He was. And Warlord is all Slick had left, which is not a good place to hedge your bets. No, uh, so. I, I don't think he's going to the world title. No. That endless Davy Boy Smith feud throughout 91. That's like which the, the match whole, was good at seven. By it's the way. very good. It's the best Warlord <laughs> match ever. Ever. November 91. Slick is written off as a heel manager. I think Davey power slams, and I don't remember. Anyway, he reemerges soon after. And by soon after, I mean like within weeks or a month on primetime, mm-hmm. on the, the roundtable version of primetime, right, right. as the Reverend Slick. And now he's a face. And he really, <sighs> Kenneth Johnson, for the record, though, was a reverend in real life. That's not my problem with it. No, my I know. problem is, is that he's such a good heel. Yeah. Like, why would you do this? And to now me, he's not really a, entertaining. To me, the signal, it was the signal that, oh, we're phasing Slick out. Like, that's how right. I read that. Right. And one of the, he didn't manage at first. He was just a panelist and made some appearances here and there. But at the end of 92, when Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi turned on Kamala, 
After this is a great thing to get involved in. Huh? <laughs> Kamala. Yeah. After losing the, the coffin match to Undertaker at Survivor Series, who comes to the rescue but Slick? Now, <laughs> Slick had this campaign with Kamala where he's like, you're not a, you know, you're not an animal. You're a man. Right, right. And somehow this face turned Kamala throughout 93. Forgot how to pin people, and that was like the he became like a sideshow kids attraction. You know what's weird about this? It's like sucked. This, this, on paper, you would think like there should be like a lot of sympathy here, right? I mean, he it, they did treat him like shit though. Ways they and, did. Like, you 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 should see like everyone should be all happy, but it's like it's stuff like you said, like that he forgets how to pin and things like just that. Dumb. It's, it's just like what he like, knew how to pin before that. I feel like they should have taken more of a George Steele approach because he was at least popular, even though I didn't like him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just more this, like, he's pretty effective. He's just now a happy face. Yeah. Like, you like know? George Steele. Good point. Yeah. 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 And how good if a manager is, Reverend Slick, if he can't even get Kamala to master the basic fundamentals of wrestling, which is pin your opponent with a land on their back. Oh, these, these are things Slick never really had to worry he about. I mean, he care. wasn't really one of those, like, trainer type he managers. Wasn't he was just yeah. like, I'm throwing money at this and good hopefully point. it works. Yeah, good point. So that's Slick's career really as a manager. Uh, it feels so short. It is. I mean, well, it isn't. It's long, but it's also, I don't know, it's all these like one-off acts that yeah. didn't really make it anywhere. Right. Like other than the, the Twin Towers, that's, but like... That's the that, best thing you did. That's the, they, they, they lose. <laughs> they, they lose to the Mega Powers and that's the end of that. You're right. You know? that, that's what happens. But that's Slick in like all his glory. I will say, well, he, had, he did have another couple moments I just want to mention before we move on. Go ahead. The... WrestleMania three when they rip off all his clothes is really great. Great, uh, the whole thing with Tito Santana, great. like yep. that that shit is amazing. He's really good there, and just like <laughs> watching a lot of these eighty nines and some of the eighty eight, <laughs> him and Brother Love are really funny together. Yes, like, they are. They, they are pretty hilarious. Like Slick just thinks he's the greatest thing ever, and he's such a funny talker. He's right, yeah. very entertaining. Yeah, he like, really is. Slick promos are fun. You know? Oh my god, when Slick is on like a roll yeah. and he's doing the like that slow cadence yep. and like yeah, yeah. And like well, you know what i mean he milked that shit it's amazing yeah yep and that mace husky toads a repeat offender daddy that's right a three-time loser and habitual criminal and therefore he's subject to the full weight of the law some some props to Slick. We'll see where he ranks. And right. He had a f- six-year career, essentially, as a manager, and part of that was as Kamala's manager. Unfortunately. And part of that was 1990 and 91, where nothing he did mattered. Unfor- right. You know, like, honestly. Post-Power and Glory, basically. Yeah, once the Towers broke up, that was kind of it. Power yeah. and Glory even wasn't too much for him, but they were good at, for a while. So that is Slick. Again, more on his uh, ranking palpabilities in a little bit. But right now, let's all find out who drew. Number eight. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Hey, Paisanos, it's Man. Super Mario. Captain, <laughs> Captain Lewis, here Captain, he is. is it now, is it Captain Lou or Captain Lewis? So I always thought it depends on what they're doing. Okay. Like, he's Lou if he's kind of like a fat slob and annoying. Right. He's Lewis if he's trying to be more distinguished. Like, uh, that's what I seem to notice. Like, when he's more talkative, but not like, rah, rah, rah. Like, when he's right. just like, Vince McMahon, he will do this and that. And, like, he's Lewis. Vince McMahon! Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Lou Albano, folks, Lou Albano, is one of the most notable managers ever, I oh, think, yeah. in all in all seriousness. He invented rock and wrestling. <sighs> We're not getting into that right we now. We will have to, eventually, <laughs> at some point in this we, segment. We will. Now, Lou Albano, 
uh, actually was a wrestler. I'm sure most people know that he was a wrestler in the 50s and 60s. Right. So gorgeous he George started in the gorgeous George era, right? But and he was generally a heel, and he was actually a WWF United States Tag Team Champion. What if is you that care. title? Because I feel matter. like they, I feel like everyone fucking had that thing Arnold if they didn't Skoland. have a belt. Yeah, like, like you know, Arnold like, Skoland yeah, had it. If people you like, like look that. at somebody's career, like I don't ever remember him being champion. And then like on Wikipedia, like the very bottom, it's like WWF United States Tag Champ. Like all, it's like always that. You know who else had it? Just for like one of the teams, like Ivan Putski or something, probably. But here's one. Killer Kowalski and Gorilla Monsoon. Of course. <laughs> you know what I mean? Of it's course. Like shit yeah, like that. Yeah. It makes sense. <laughs> Johnny Valentine. Yeah. Not Greg. Yeah. Johnny. <sighs> Buddy Rogers. Anyway, anyway, Lou Albano was a wrestler, but he became a manager, I think, in 7071. And one of the biggest things that he did as a manager, you know who he was? Ivan Koloff's manager when he beat Bruno for the title. So Plus right eight. off the bat, there you go. Success there. Now, Albano, when he was a wrestler and a manager, one of the things that this guy was fantastic at was being annoying as fuck. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yes. I'm 300 pounds of speed and Johnny Dynamite go behind intestinal fortitude. I've been known to suplex from my knees. I can chicken wing, step over toe hole. I possess wrestling, balance, and leverage. Just, just so annoying, like all fat and like slovenly. Yeah. yeah. The one thing you will have to say about him, though, is that he's like the manager of champions. That's like what they used to call him. It's right? not just a gimmick. I mean, right. he I mean, really like, was. He always had a champion, like constantly. Starting with Ivan Koloff, the right. very first guy he managed, I believe, was Ivan Koloff. I, I personally think it's because he just was the best manager forever. Well, if being the you know best, what, I, yes. he really was. Like we, especially watching this eighty two, eighty three stuff, he's, he's still like good. A hundred times better than Wizard and Blassie. Yeah, of the three philosophers or whatever. That's what they're called. Now I know Blassie, folks, was a big deal, but I think even by eighty two, eighty three, because we've been watching weekly television. Right, Blassie is nothing by then. <laughs> yeah, he isn't. I mean, all his guys are kind of junk, and he doesn't talk much. Even literally, Ray Stevens is his like best dude, and Ray, Ray Stevens already a good talker. Also, yeah, Ray Stevens uh, commentary, amazing, <laughs> yeah, he's so good. But Albano was still awesome in eighty two, eighty three. Right, he just this fat, angry, slovenly, like just I feel so good. That's literally all you hear. Fuji and Saito and the big open shirt, open shirt, fat. Trudging in, like <laughs> always, like getting getting like involved in the match, and like always get punched and off the, the apron. The ridiculous selling, yeah, just like Fucking sloppy ass white Reeboks all the time. He like, was so hated, Quinn. Yeah. People There's hated Albano. Just just on him, like yes, kind of like how Bobby later did that shit where people hated him so much that there'd be signs that right. like weasel and all this yeah he was like a precursor to a manager really just stealing the thunder but in a good way right because he of, elevated anyone he, he was with he elevated everyone he was with i mean hell what we're watching now in 83 he's he's managing fucking iron mike sharp right and that makes yeah. sharp seem like a contender and uh don morocco don intercontinental morocco. champion yeah you know? yep uh, that's enough vincent mcmahon jr let me say this. I wasn't thrilled at the aspect of putting the magnificent Morocco against Iron Mike Sharp. Both my men, I have great concern at this time. I don't know how you to don't face care, it. Bro. I have great concern. You got it, punk? So, I mean, Lou Albano managed a ton of people. I'll give you a quick list of names here because we can't get into every single one because there's so many. Right. But he managed tag champions like the Wild Samoans, mm -hmm. tag champions like Fuji and Saito. He managed the. British Bulldogs, although that was like when he was a yeah, face in 86. Yeah, I actually want to talk about this, though. This, okay, go this ahead. second phase of his career. Which the face turn, let's uh, right. just set the context. The face turn started 
after he had called out Cindy Lauper, this is what started right. the rock and wrestling connection, which we got into some of this a few episodes right. back. I, I think a little background first on, you know, the, the, the rock and wrestling connection. So in real life, Lou Albano, this is why I always give him so much credit, but mm-hmm. it's like he ran into David White Wolf on a plane. David Wolf. White Wolf was a big friend. David Wolf. They became big friends. David and blah, White blah, Wolf. Blah. Yeah. And basically, this guy was like the manager of Cindy Lauper, possibly her boyfriend. We don't know until she left him in time after time music video, but whatever. Anyway, this gets Cindy Lauper involved in the wrestling. I like the wrestling. Now. And then all her friends come. And Here's my friends. All these, all these people like Billy Martin and shit like uh, that. Where's the alcohol? But Lou really was like the the first connection. Right, he was, from wrestling yeah. to the stars. He right? was the wrestling connection of the rock and wrestling connection. Right, and this allowed for all these people to come in. And like, here's the thing: is Lou positioned himself as like the big heel that all these ma- these like right. celebrities hated or yes. whatever. He was a heel right, to start exactly. this whole angle. But then, as this goes on, like Captain Lou gets healed of being a heel through like some like Electro- mental yeah, electroshock therapy. Yeah, yeah, they they heal his they they literally heal his healness. And then Roddy Piper steps in as the new lead heel for the angle. Exactly. But so this second phase of Lou now is a face. So like he manages a British bulldog yeah, and okay. like like he he's even like friends with Cindy Lauper because he's uh-huh. he's her dad or whatever. He's her dad, yes. Yeah. Uh, but he also as a face he managed like the US Express, yeah. the Rotunda Ugh. Wyndham to yeah. the tag titles, but a lot of champions, right? He managed the machines, which was kind of funny. That was funny. Yeah. So that's as a face. He also as a heel uh, managed the Moondogs to the tag titles because right. they were also tag champs. He managed a lot of tag teams. He also managed people like Greg Valentine. Right. Jimmy Snooker when he came in as a heel. There was a lot of people yeah, that Jimmy Snooker shit is was huge. Dickie like, Murdoch and Adonis, yeah. Go one ahead. Of the, that, that whole angle where like he's stealing his money thing, that yep. was like a big thing for the WF Absolutely. in the early days. That was a big uh, moneymaker, yeah. that angle for Snooker there. To, to me, turn that's face. the big turn of 82 is when the company really starts to kind of take off. Right? Yeah. The whole angle where uh, Albano was pilfering money from uh, Jimmy Snooker. And, and Rogers Corner <laughs> exposed it. Yeah, Buddy Rogers like, I found Albano. You investigated reporting yeah. or whatever he said. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Wallace. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you mentioned he managed Don Morocco. Intercontinental champion. Right. He managed Pat Patterson sometimes. He managed the fabulous Moolah on occasion. He managed Ken Patera. He managed a lot of guys. He fucked up with that Moolah shit because he remember he kept fe- feeding her sandwiches or whatever. That's the thing, yeah. And then he, and then he was like eating sandwiches with no shirt on. Yeah, I think what I want to exemplify with this, this is like the whole 80s with Lou is like he's so ridiculous. Like he's just so insane. Outlandish and just like out of his mind. And even, even as a face. He's kind of crazy. He's just still crazy. He's yeah. just nicer about it. Yeah. And Vince, oh, that fat slob. You yeah. know? <laughs> also, Vince just hating him. Yeah. And I think this is just, I don't know. There's just a charm to this guy. Like, you're like, uh, he sucks, but I love him. And, like, he's weird. And, like, to me, he, he really captures that, like, the essence of that wrestling weirdness in the 80s that, like, I think that a lot of celebrities and artists and stuff, they latched onto because they're like, man, these wrestlers are really doing some weird-ass shit on, like, national television on a week-to-week basis, and it's very, like, improv the way, you know what I mean? It almost is with him. Yeah, it's just Lou, to me, he represents that, like, that 80s improv trying weird shit just being extremely bizarre and another thing about lou too in a business where either managers are usually thin guys with suits on or you know somewhat somewhat flamboyant he was a captain he was <laughs> a boat or whatever i guess so yeah and- <laughs> 
captain. He was a captain, though. That's yeah. true. Um, you know, and the wrestlers are these, you know, very nice physiques and all these things. Lou Albano looked like a guy that you'd find, you know, buying a donut down right. the street at 3 a.m. He literally looked at, like the guy in the newsstand in New York City. Right. Like getting the paper. And, it's and just, you're like, who is this guy? Like, you're just fantastic. Like, you know, like the guy on the street. It's like the weird guy on the street. The <laughs> weird guy just that you see all the time. You don't know what his deal is. Why is he have no shirt on under his vest like, yeah why is the, he why does he have rubber pants hanging off his why face? does he have like earrings in his cheeks like yes, it's like that's what I mean. fucking weird i know it's like, awesome uh so lou albano is, is clearly one of the most notable managers from that period of time yeah. without a doubt he did come back briefly after he left in 86 he came back uh in 94 to kind of help alpha manage the head shrinkers he had experience. Somebody had to teach. He knew the Samoans. He, yeah. You know, and he knew he even Alpha. spoke Samoan, remember? <laughs> yeah. But they, 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 they played that shit straight, by the way. Remember that mm-hmm. in the 82? They just like act like he knows what he's talking about. And they also act like he knew Japanese when he was with Fuji of and course. Saito. Yes. Remember that? It's, uh, Louis, he, he sails the high seas or he's a That's pirate true. or whatever he is. We like, don't know. So he has a lot of experience internationally, <laughs> clearly. I fluently learned to read and write and speak Japanese. Would you like to hear a few words? Yes. So he's just uh he's one of a kind, yeah. Bano, for real. And a lot of people call him the greatest manager of all time. We're gonna have to see where the science shakes out though, mm-hmm. but I, I think we're about done, right? I think it's time to I rank. Think we're ready. Okay. So I'm gonna run them down one more time here. Number one, Jimmy Hart, two, Jim Cornette, three, Sherry Martell, four, Paul Heyman, five, Paul Bear, and six, JJ Dillon. Slickster, got to start him at Dylan. Um, yeah, I guess so. I think he. I don't even know. Damn it, JJ, I hate to I, say it, but I don't even know if he's better than JJ. Oh, really? I thought he was a little better. Well, success wise, he's not. Maybe he's more entertaining than JJ Dylan. That's true. I have, we have to just weigh all the criteria Man, here. Really? Like he's not better than JJ Dylan, the Slickster. Okay. Well, no, no, he's no. got his own music. I'm not saying <laughs> that he's not. That I don't like him more. Yeah. Let's we'll just weigh some things. Slick. Did he ever have a title? Did he ever no, have a title? I don't think so, right? Did he Did he somehow have the Intercontinental title briefly? Who would have had it? I'm trying to think. No. Well, Sheik and Volkov... No, wait. When did... Wait, when, did he inherit them when they stole the tag belts? Or, like, did he at least 50-50 at that point? No, he didn't have the tag champions that I know of, because he had Sheik and Volkov after. Wow, he never had a title, did he? I don't think so. The IC was honky. I yeah. mean, it was before Honky, obviously. Baby, baby, baby. It was <laughs> Savage Santana. Yeah. Yeah, so he wouldn't have the IC. That's definitely no that's world. That's interesting. I never even thought about that. But yeah, Slick never... That's kind of that's kind of a credit to Slick, to, to, to honestly, to make me think that he... You know, he clearly had to manage a champion, but he, he never did. He never did. He did manage guys to the world title shots, like Boss Man and One right. Man Gang, yeah. specifically. And and he's part of that fantastic main event with Randy Savage and the Mega Powers exploding yes, and all yeah. that. I mean, that's the Akeem biggest falling thing. through the fucking rope, right? Like slick <laughs> dancing around, like the, the bully I'm gonna boys. Get you Miss Elizabeth and not like all this. The bully boys, yeah, bully boys. I think he's infinitely more entertaining than JJ Dillon. Yeah, the music, Joe. I he can't has get over the best the, music. He had his own music video. Now, like, did that music not even make the Royal Rankings last season? It oh, didn't, that right? Upset that me. So I thought about that happened? for like weeks afterwards. I was like, this is crap. Like that, that thing get voted in. <laughs> if any time of the like host vote that, that yeah, uh, we could have overridden yeah. something. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, yeah, I don't know, Quinn. I <laughs> I feel like uh, I told no, you I was I surprised he made it. I can't honestly 
you're right. J.J. Dillon, like, Four Horsemen, and, like, it's it's still, it's, like, on the same level. You know what I mean? Like, it's like this, like, J.J. wasn't... He wasn't a necessity, but he, he helped complete the package. If you say that, though, then, honestly, you can say Slick isn't a necessity. Oh, no, I think to to the things that he did that were good, that he was. Like, yeah. the Twin Towers, I mean, you don't have them be as they wouldn't have notable. Music without him. Well, yeah, that's true. I don't know. Maybe it, it could Slick be better than Dylan in any way, shape, or way. Definitely a better talker right, to to me anyway. You think, I actually think DJ Dylan's a slightly better talker. Mm-hmm. Slick is just silly. Like Slick is, yeah, <laughs> you know how he is. Like yeah, but JJ's like, eh. I feel like Slick. Nothing is really thought out. Like it's just, <laughs> I always feel like he's very ad lib, and that's a that's a talent. I must admit because I'm just yeah. to, like you know, think of shit on the fly, but, yeah, but JJ Dillon seems so much more deliberate. Oh, he seems like he's on C-SPAN he, when he talks. He, he just, he has like some weird Sucks. speech lined up. He's I, crap. Yeah. But I don't still, know. You for, think he's better than Slick at talking? If anything, I would say oh, Slick is a better actually, talker. And listen to JJ talk sometimes. He's I actually, have. He's I actually woke up later good. after yeah. it. Oh, stop. <sighs> I don't know. This is, I okay, hate it. I uh, love I, Slick. I can't hate to say it, but I think. Do we just w- keep him there? Here's a wall for, oh man, I can't believe Slick didn't you're right, though. Like it's JJ, like, JJ was the manager of the Four Horsemen and had success. You can't really argue with that. I, hate, I know, and I hate to say it. You know what it's I mean? Just, it's when we reviewed Slick Career, I'm like, we'll find someone that was amazing, but right? Like best. Do we agree the best thing Slick did was the Twin Towers? Oh, 100 percent. Right. But that was like for like two months or some shit. Their, their success, you yeah. mean? Yeah, it wasn't that long of a run. I mean, once all those newspapers ran through on main event, then it was over. Yeah, I mean, they did beat the Rockers at WrestleMania 5. Yeah, at least the press picked it up. The but, press, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of press. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I, I can't really... Shit. And plus the Reverend stuff kind of... That sucks. ...hampers him. He did crap. Unfortunately. And he managed the Bolsheviks for, like, way too long. To be fair to JJ, he didn't really have, like, a crap period. Like, he always was No, all was of like, it was bad, you're right. What? Stop. <laughs> Will you... I don't like him, for the record, folks, but that doesn't mean I can't Mr. be objective. Mr. Wearing a Booking the Territory t-shirt doesn't even like JJ Dillon. Just I like saying. Mike Mills. Yeah, I'm just saying. Dr. Pepper, whoever he does yeah. the show with. Yeah. I hate to say this, but I think Slick, yeah, I think Slick's at the bottom. Uh, I mean, I told you, I was surprised he made it. Honorable mention for his music being amazing. The best. The best manager music of all time. And he's very notable, and he's yeah. very, like, memorable. Yeah, if if manager <sighs> music had a royal ranking, so he would be number one. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's sad. Mm-hmm. At least he made the rankings. What a sad way to kind of start this, this <laughs> segment this week, right? It's like Slick just, I can't even make it past J.D. Dillon. Yeah, it's a like, it's sorry he, shape. He can't even climb past that. I'm sorry. I don't think he can because if to you To be look- honest, he's like, it's like Slick and Fuji are like, they would both be below J.D. Yeah. Dillon. Like, and that's if Fuji makes the ranking. I don't even yeah. know if he will. You know, he might make the flush for all I just know. For the, just for the WrestleMania 5, like him running the 5K. I'll tell you a lot, has. One of the most ceremonial salt that he always carries. That's a ceremonial salt. Like that, his whole eighty nine is heroic. It is. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at everyone above Dylan, they're all better than Slick, right? I mean, yeah. Paul Bearer is more successful and more, you know, honestly. I mean, it's not just success. Hangman. Here's the thing that the reason why is, I thought that Slick could elevate above JJ Dylan, it's just because he's so much better of a character. I know like, that's that. the one thing. That's but it's like JJ it, Dylan hasn't beaten every other area. Is the problem? Yeah, that's like, the problem. Yeah. Well, not talking, but that's your opinion. But being a character mine. is like very a very key thing. It, it's very key and yeah. very G. But yeah. I just I hate to say it. I like Slick more, but I got to put him right below Dylan. To be fair, okay, yeah. all right, fine. Now, but this next guy, on the other hand, he's got Louis Albano. He, to me, he's got a lot of potential. All here. right, 
happy. Let's see where he stands here. So, so he's definitely better than Slick, 100%. He managed like a million champions, right? One so, bazillion champions. He's a way better character. Okay, so he's like, better than Slick. Yeah. Just as better talker, too, than yeah. Slick, probably, right? Now, to be fair, let's be fair to his talking. It's not good, it's not, but it's, it's entertaining. It's just babbling, really. It's but, just like, rah, 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 rah. Like, he literally, every week, could have just done that, and people would be like, yeah, okay. But you know I, what they Because he's so... I, it's just, he's so expressive. But they hate him for it. I mean, yeah. he was such a big heel in the 70s and 80s because People of that. People hated him. Yeah, because he's so annoying and just in a way. Not to mention his, like, outside of wrestling fame. Yeah. Where girls just want to have fun. And, and like Super Goonie, Mario! Goonies are for us or whatever that other video <laughs> yeah, is. There's that. Body right. Piper drives, like, a weird car. You know what I'm <laughs> yeah, talking I about. Do, I, know, yeah. I know what you mean. Isn't Iron Sheik in that or something? Oh, too? there's, like, a bunch yeah, of wrestlers, a but, of course, Lou is in it. Yeah. Uh, and he was the voice of Mario, the first right. like televised major, you know, Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Mario, Love that shit, great. Was stuff. he in the Mario Three? No. Show? Did they get some other guy for that? Different guy. Yeah. Did World and and Mario I'll review 3. an episode of that because it's got Lou Albano in it. There you go. Not a bad idea. Yeah. JJ Dillhole is he better than him? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. No discussion really needed. <laughs> no. JJ just survives Slick, and that's I know. like uh, <laughs> yeah. honestly, he, he just barely, barely made it past scratched slick. past Slick. You're right. Now we got the fat guys. Now a couple of fat guys Gotta that get lose past the Pauls here. The, yeah. The, the, the Pauls. The, the butter Pauls. Yeah. So starting with Paul Bear. Yeah. Now Paul Paul Bear made it because made it up as high as he did because he's an underrated talker. Right. It really is. Uh, very consistent, mm-hmm. good manager, had The Undertaker, but had better things after The Undertaker. Right. Which, Here's the, the thing, though, yeah. that we said about Paul Bearer, and I'm going to keep remembering this when we get to him, Yep, is that his one problem is he's always associated with, like, Undertaker things. In some way, shape, or form. Right. He's like James Vanderbeek, or whatever that James guy. James Vandenberg. Vandenberg yes. from WCW. Yes, where it's from like Dawson's he, Creek. He only lives in the Glacier world. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, Mortal Kombat version. Yeah. yeah. Right. Earth realm. <laughs> like, Paul Bear lives, lives in fucking, like, Earth realm or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does, and that's the, that's the issue. It's like, Captain Lou, to be fair to him, he was like all over the roster. Like he's like in almost every fucking match. Like, <laughs> like he true. really is. Like, and why was he? Because he was fucking good. Yeah, he because he was good. Yeah, that's why he's got that. Like always has his fingers in everything. Oh yeah, kind of person. Samoans, Japanese yeah. people, British people, and just like main event heels, main event heels, intercontinental level heels, tag. He, he might be one of the best. Quinn, he's is one, he's thing. A very versatile. He yeah. is though. But and one of the things I'm ke- going to keep hammering here is he was very successful at drawing heat, and that is the number one thing that a manager should be doing. Yes. No, but there's always a line, Joe. And we, I think I we've said this is where are you drawing more heat to you, and is it benefiting the other people you're managing? In this and in case, Lou's yes. case, yes. yes. I think he was. It wasn't. He didn't cross the line until he became like Mister Cindy Lauper. But then that he was like a face or whatever. Yeah, so exactly, it didn't matter as much. Most of his career was a heel, and he was yeah. just fantastic at it. I think just in terms of the breadth of his. Um, career i think he's better than paul bearer yeah i don't think there's really a question, question there his influence is huge too. his influence is huge and he, he was actually just, like that's another thing about him he's kind of an influencer right as being part of the three philosophers in general yeah. like those got those three managers are always considered kind of like 
the prototype of style because they're all there's three radically different managers right lose like the crazy one Blasty's supposed to be the classy one no and, pun intended and wizard's a conniving one the intelligent right. one yeah which they kind of like you know, slick is kind of the wizard like i guess so you know yeah, i mean it's yeah. there's not direct comparisons i, I but, feel like bobby's classy freddie blasty right, but better and yes, like and jimmy hart is the motor mouth yeah kind of like albana but it's not exactly the same yeah fuji's just fuji fuji <laughs> just exists eternally who's who's the Lou replacement no one really. Yeah, no one the, ever that, really could replace him. He kind of lives side by side with the other ones too. Yeah. Like at all at the same time. You can't replace Lou Albano. Lou was one of a kind. He really was. Yeah. So like Paul Heyman, for example, right? Fantastic talker. All time talker, right? Right. But it, that's the, about the best thing he does is talk. Yeah. As a manager, I mean. Lou he, is like gets interference and shit too. Lou, and he wrestles sometimes. Yeah. And I don't know that ever anyone really ever hated Paul Heyman. Maybe I'm wrong. On the level that Lou Albano was hated. Yeah. I don't know that... You know what I'm saying? I don't know that... I think Paul Heyman took cues from fucking... Everyone. Lou, from Lou. Lou. Yeah, but also... When Heyman goes kind of nuts, like when he gets very like yeah. agitated, he, yeah. he reverts into Lou. A little bit. He also probably took cues from Bobby Heenan and from Jim Cornette yeah. and from other people. Paul Heyman's got that like... He came after... The yeah. three philosophers and all that, and he kind of mix mixes and matches mm-hmm. his styles. Yeah. So he's kind of got that benefit, but I, I still think Lou is better. I think overall Lou is better. I think yeah. he's got more success also. It's not even like a bias towards like no, 80s no. WF. It's just that it's like, not. Paul Heyman's kind of like, he's a derivative. You know, that's all. And Lou Albano's an original in a lot right. of ways. He's, he's Like we said, he's like, in a way, he's like a one of a kind. He really um, is. What, what's interesting, though, is we get to Sherry here. She's also one of a kind. She's one of a kind, too. She's actually, like, I never thought about this, but she's kind of a female Lou. She's just fucking weird and Crazy. nuts. Like, she dresses weird, Lou dresses weird. She babbles, she yells, she, she rambles. rambles. Yeah. She, actually, I never thought of this, but actually, if, if they were looking for a Lou replacement, Sherry was kind of what it was. Yeah, like, you know what? I give you that. Yeah, you know what I mean. I give you that of the just the crazy one, right? And she uh, and living she, in a completely different world. Right? She calls herself a queen. He calls himself a captain. Like you know, you know Good what point. I mean. Like you know, and physically involved in stuff. They both right. are. Yep. Now, wow, that's that's interesting. Actually, they're kind of an ad hoc of each other. A little bit of hoc. Yeah. Now, I don't want to break any hearts though, Quinn, but I think Lil Bano should be above Sherry as much I agree, as I love her. Because because yeah. he's kind of the original. Again, Sherry's more. She's her own thing, but yeah. She is like female Lou. Like, I never thought... That's kind of... Now that we're going through that, I'm glad I kind of, like, discovered that in my head. Yeah, Yeah. Now, I... Again, I love Sherry. I love, 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 love Sherry, but I don't want to get carried away here. You know what I mean? So, like, Lou... Sorry. Listen, to me, Sherry Sherry still, in my heart, could have been number one. I know, but she's she's so great. But, if, if, again, personal preference, yeah, Yeah. she might be, but Lou Albano's a better overall... Right, career-wise, mm-hmm. better manager, right? Great. Okay. Yeah. Cornet. Now, Cornet. Um, this is this is tough, Quinn. I know we the the theme of this has been are these people derivatives because Lou his biggest strength is how original he is, right? Yeah. Cornet. Um, while unique in some senses, he's still he's still in the mold of Bobby and JJ and like that rich guy thing. Well, you know? no, he was before JJ as a manager. Was he? Yes. Okay. Okay. So don't. That- okay. That's he was fine. before JJ. But I just mean that he's like that style or whatever. He's that style, but that's not... Even Paul Heyman a little bit has that. Well, like, that's what the I cell said. Phone. I, I, think, yeah. I think Heyman took cues from Cornette, right. truthfully. Yeah, but Cornette was really, really, really good at it. It's true. I still think he could have been number one, and I regret not fighting for that. But... I just think Lou is so off the freaking wall. Like, it's just like... 
I really think that's such a strength. Like, just not being like anybody and be having so much. I would say Lou had more heat than Cornette. I don't know. It might be about equal. Cornette, his heyday was a machine. A Dude, heat every machine. Every fucking episode of these championships we watch, we watch like, like at least, a, have we watched 150 something? I don't know. Mm. Whatever. Like, between no, probably 100. Not even a hundred, but anyway. But anyway, we've watched so many of these, right? Yeah. And I can't remember an episode where there wasn't people fucking yeah. fuck Lou Albano sure, in the crowd. Sure. Like, you know what absolutely. I mean? Like, he is just absolutely detested. The announcers hate him. Yeah, I know. But I think you can flip on a random episode of NWA from the mid-80s and see the same thing with Cornette. Right. right? What I'm saying is is Lou's a pioneer in that, in that sense. I you guess know? so. I mean, this is interesting, but I think Cornette's the kind of guy who would say Lou Albano was better than him. Maybe. Because I, I think Cornette would probably respect... Lil Banna was doing this off-the-wall weird shit in the 70s. Early like, 70s. You know what I mean? 71. Like, yeah. And, he, and it's amazing to me that Lou could make a character that basically babbles work. And, yeah. can, and on a dime, turn him into this intelligible, like, all of a sudden he knows everything. And he's also an asshole. It's right. like he's mean, too. He's not just like a babbler. He's a jerk. He gets more physically involved in matches than Jim Cornette. I guess so. That that's definitely true. Could we put Lou Albano at number one? I think so. We just I have to compare so. him to Jimmy Hart. To be fair, well, Jimmy Hart had success, as we know. Yeah. And again, you might be thinking, well, it's fake, right? You know, yeah. they give people titles, so it's not like he really managed them. In titles. But they do that for a reason. Correct. Right. You put that's a mark. It's it's like an indicator of how good a manager was, is how many champions and stars that he managed. What I will say about Jimmy Hart, very comparatively to Lou. He had heat. Jimmy Hart is one of those guys that we. I think we said this, but the crowd never got tired of seeing him get his ass whooped. Right? Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like and usually, same, like same they, with Lou. usually they reserve that for a couple times a year. Like Bobby wouldn't get beat up all the time. No, for no, example. No. But like with Jimmy Hart, it's like every time. Yeah. And, and, and everyone's like, it. and everyone's like, this is great. Like, and I think anytime Albano was physically involved too, though. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that's what I mean. It's like to me, that's the credit to Jimmy Hart is just how much he can like how good he was at like maintaining that gimmick right you know what i mean people just wanted to see jimmy the stupid megaphone yeah oh god like, he was annoying and like the fact that he the the other thing with jimmy that's his strength is he could take like guys that were very mid-tier and like make them seem like like the fact that honky talk man, man like, is the crowning achievement it's like of that. to me that's like really it's a, it's also a lot of jimmy hart looking back yeah and, like, and honky admits that it was yeah. the pairing you know it yeah, was the two of the them pairing was so strong absolutely the, the little lulu all the, the whole the whole <laughs> thing like it, you you really see it in the interviews right absolutely um blue albano though he could take a piece of shit he would manage just fucking anybody. Iron Mike Sharp. And what I find interesting about Lou looking back now is that he really worked these guys into like an early form of a stable. Like he really, yeah, he like they would, did. they would all team up together sure. if they were under Lou's power yeah. or whatever. Like I just like that there was a lot of consistency across the card with people that Lou managed. Right. Yeah. And everything I, was kind of tied together. Again, just everything about Lou screams like ahead of his time. In a sense. Again, I think that's really his biggest strength. Maybe he wasn't the best at all this stuff, but it wouldn't exist without him. To an extent. Yeah, yeah that's all I'm saying. It's like, as, as far as a manager is concerned. Maybe. I mean, Bobby Heenan was a heel manager in the 60s. and True. Doing his no, thing. I'm so not, it's, he's well, not we don't even have one. him yet to no, work know, with. No, but so. I'm just saying in terms of, yeah. you know, the landscape, it's not the only one that was a heel manager. You know, Bobby right. managed before Lou that's not, did. Yeah, that, I just mean that Lou was just, he was so ahead of his time as far good. as like what he was and he's really good yeah and he's good at it and successful yeah. and i don't mean just titles i mean just successful at 
accomplishing what a manager is supposed to accomplish. Get heat, draw money, and draw money when drawing money meant something. When you weren't going to the show because it was WE. Right. Like you were going to the show because you wanted to see Will Bano's fat ass get right. beat up. Now you stand there, you look like an intelligent man to me. College graduate, MIT, TTI, and UCLA. I know all about you, college wrestler. Can you honestly say that you feel Tony Guerrilla and Larry Sabisco are competition for the Lumberjacks? I can put him at number one yeah. just based on the entirety of his career, even up to when he left in 86. Yeah, I agree. I he went out with a bang with the British Bulldogs he, and stuff like that. Like, he really did, and I think he might, as time goes on, I think he might get a little overlooked. I think there was a period of time where everyone kind of figured, yeah, this guy's a great manager. And then, it, to me anyway, it feels like, well, maybe he's not that good. No, he I think, is. I think the thing that <laughs> hurt Lou's legacy, not his, like, he obviously was great. I just think that all that weird shit where he would be like in the crowd as like an old guy and get beat up in like the 90s. Yeah, and you're weird. like, why is he here? Yeah, like, I know. I don't know. Like, I at the same time, I'm always like, they should endlessly pay Lou for like the cr- getting that rock and wrestling <sighs> shit going. Yeah, but, yeah. Well, they kept I, him employed a very long time. They should have. So. He, he deserved it. But anyway, yeah, I, Lou's got to be number one yeah, at this point in time, right? Because if we're going to put him above Cornette, we got to put him above Jimmy Hart. That's my right. thinking. I agree. Otherwise, he should be below Cornette. And I think. He's just, he's good. Send your cards and letters to Ogden, Utah. He's, he's really, really good. He's just great. So how about that for, for a ranking here? Wow. We, we, could, we get number eight and number one all in the same. Yeah, thing. Like that. we bookended it here, folks. You yeah. can let us know your rankings, of course, but let's run them down here, folks. This is the... We're almost updated. done. This is, this is almost crazy. It. Yeah. This is the updated rankings now for this week at number one. Captain Lou Albano, congratulations, the greatest manager of all time. True congratulations. Maybe he will be. I mean, there's only we'll one more week, see. right? Only one more week of this. Uh, number two, Jimmy Hart. Three, Jim Cornette. Four, Sherry Martell. Five is Paul Heyman. Six is Paul Bearer. Seven, J.J. Dillon, who has moved up because of the new bottom of the barrel here, unfortunately, is the Slickster, baby. It's really crazy. I thought J.J. Dillon was easily going to be the, end, the well, bottom, but I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy in a weird for J.J., yeah. yes. Folks, that is the Royal Rankings. Let us know yours. You can do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us at ovppodcast.gmail.com or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, this was your idea. We're going to take a nice mm. little slice of 1995 WWF. Let's go to Monday Night Raw. That is coming up right after this. Captain Lou the Albano. Boogie. and grooming. Captain Pardon? Lou Albano and the Pardon, Are you paying attention? In the last encounter, it was Rocky Johnson, Tony Atlas, Madison Square Garden, I believe December 26th, and S.D. Jones. So we crippled, humiliated, and had S.D. Jones carried out. Now they got the big goof. Now they got Andre Andre. Madison Square Garden, do you think, you big goof, you individualist, that you can control the team? Do you feel you can barely Bobby, read and write? You're a complete halfwit. Wait a minute. Do you think you've got enough behind Bobby, you pardon. to guide the team? Hold it, just a second. Do you think what? you've got continuity? Boogie. Hold nothing. Boogie. Boogie means go ahead. Gentlemen, I'm Boogie sorry. Boogie means Bubba. We are out of time. I have just got Bobby. to bring in at this time, if I may. Come on, if... 
Hello, wrestling fans. It's Joe here. And while we're on a break, I just wanted to take a moment to shout out three friends of the show. Check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. That's WPAN, hosted by three guys that have actually worked in the actual wrestling business. I'm talking about Mike Crockett, Brian Malonis, and Brian Fury. They're going to bring their unique perspective as fans, but also as people that actually work in the industry to a very creative and entertaining podcast. The wrestling podcast about nothing. Which just ended at episode 200. And then check out Greetings from Allentown, hosted by one man, Peter Winson. He'll take you on a whimsical journey through retro wrestling's past. It's unique, it's quirky, it's Greetings from Allentown. And finally, if you like your retro wrestling slathered in barbecue sauce, check out Mike Mills and Book in the Territory as they bring you the very best in the Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking about Smoky Mountain and the NWA. It's Book in the Territory. So again, our three friends of the show... Greetings from Allentown and Booking the Territory. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode number 167. And Michael, this uh, review that we're doing here, it was your idea. You yes. S- you said to me, hey, Joe, why don't we do a random one-hour episode of Monday Night Raw from, like, 1995? We never ever do raw like, no we've done what one or two yeah. raw bowl and, i think like yeah raw bowl did and we the do first, thursday raw thursday no and we did the first raw with rob bartlett and all that remember yeah. careful of the dinghy and all that yeah, oh look out carefully you missed the dinghy any raw we ever do is a bad raw yeah uh that seems to be a theme here i, I guess there's a lot of bad ones you know well the one hour era wasn't exactly um stellar no it wasn't stellar television now you wanted to do 95 why so, a lot of it has to do with the fact that when I first became a fan in, like, late 94, yep. it was late 94, so mostly I watched 95 Raw. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, this is, I know people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about, Quinn? But when I first started watching, I thought this shit was amazing. Right. Like, I was just like, I didn't know anything. I hadn't even got my hands on, like, tapes yet. Same here. So, I was like... I'm just watching this, and I'm like, this is so cool, like, yep. you know, blah, blah, blah. Little did I know I was watching the worst wrestling to ever exist. Like, it's pretty bad. And I, I still think to this day, it's why I became such a fan, because every progressive year felt like it just was getting better and better and better. You, I it's agree. Like you, I felt like I got on the ground floor of something. Right. Because like, I was like, wow, it's a really piece of shit. Like, if I look back at only, like, a year before. Yeah, 95 is not well regarded, obviously, for the WWF. Yeah. Uh, what- for good reason, mm-hmm. honestly. A lot of that is for good reason. And I, like you, I was watching during the same period of time. This is, um, I was about a year into my fandom. I got, in the, got into wrestling in the summer of 94 and June, July of 94. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be June 95. So I was definitely watching Raw by this point. I'm sure I saw, I remember actually seeing this one. Yeah, because, no, I definitely watched this one too. Because I, I remember the setup for yep. the HBK and Jeff yep. Jarrett thing, which is on this. Yep. So, this is uh, just a slice of WWF Monday Night Raw. We just wanted to do that, and Quinn had that idea. I consulted with uh, Richard Land, and I said, you know what? We want to do a, a really crappy one. He recommended this one. This is going to be the night after King of the Ring, folks. What a stellar pay-per-view and that was. infamous WWF pay-per-view. The, the one where The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and all these good people were in it, and none of them won the tournament. Yes. Like, it was like the stupidest shit ever. That one, with the yeah. uh, big main event of uh, Sid... And Tatanka taking on Diesel and Bam Bam what Bigelow. A, a match that everyone was really clamoring for. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Um, especially after that great in your house one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it, folks. This is Monday Night Raw, June 26, 1995. Michael. Now, hey, there's like a picture on the WWE Network. It's sunny for this yes, episode. It is. So I was like, how could this be bad, right? Oh, yeah. How could this be bad? How As bad I said, could it be? We, we know that this is a horrible, terrible era. Yes. And. I just let's find out how bad it is. Okay. Let's let's see here. Well, we open with Vince McMahon yelling, literally. Oh, he's so loud in this. Oh, this whole show. A loud ass King of the Ring recap with the stills. It was just last night. It was the third annual WWF King of the Ring. It sucks. The kiss my foot happened, which Vince calls a podiatrist nightmare. Can I just say this one thing about this whole foot thing this yes. is actually a highlight to me because it was just so funny like just how stupid like, even so looking, bad folks. even looking back though it's yeah. kind of like the amount of them playing it up is sort of hilarious it's all over the show yeah it's like literally it's such a it's a major angle and it's all about feet and it's bright like, hard of course of all people involved in it's it it's really kind of great in one of those like how i like silly wrestling like yeah. looking back oh, like as a kid silly wrestling. Get, as a kid this was low on the totem pole of, of my interest but as an adult I'm, i find this like ironically funny oh, ironically funny how yeah. like how premier it's treated it is we get a close-up of king's crappy sock and then we see more stills of the match vince sums up the king of the ring unintentionally by saying everyone around the ringside area gagged and everyone around the ringside area gagged hakushi tried to throw some salt brett ducked got king and the sharpshooter brett won you know brett's all you know i thought my foot smelled the worst <laughs> king of course sold the crap out of brett's foot it's it's incredible and his own foot because brett yeah. jammed king's foot into his mouth uh yeah and he like pukes yeah he pukes <laughs> they, they, and they show it like oh. the fact that there was a vignette of king puking in the bathroom in the yeah. bathroom first of all credit to king because i don't know like how did he make himself puke i don't know what what does he draw as original like <laughs> you know what i mean unless he like had some stew when he just spit it out Maybe, i don't know but, and vince is way too excited <laughs> about this <laughs> he got what he deserved you know like this God, and that it's yeah. like it, it's the really bombastic post i survived the steroid trial yep. vince where he's like trying way too hard as we've always said yeah. he had to like yell over the shittiness of 95 yeah he did he's at his worst in 95 down into the uh, so we cut right now to the embarrassing arena that they're in where Vince is again yelling over the siren, promises some hot and heavy action. I thought this arena was huge at first until I saw <laughs> that one side is like a fucking like football field of bleachers and the other side is a wall. Like, a wall. Like just like this is what they did back then. It's so ridiculous. It's a like they, they always find a way to like hide how shitty the places were. Yes. I feel like they're on like they're in a high school gym, but they're only in like a corner of it. It's bad. They're not, they're not in the center. It doesn't like look that's good. the problem yeah. is the bleachers are going back the entire basketball court. And, or <laughs> and then there's a wall. Uh, yeah. So we see Vince who's by himself right now because King has like toe poisoning or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> so Vince brings out his guest announcer for the night. Shawn Michaels. How is Shawn always on commentary dude, in this period of time? Like late 94, early 95, early to mid 95. Some, he's, he's always there. And sometimes in 98. Consummate wrestler. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Like, commentary. He's not even a commentator, like, no. he, but he somehow finds a way to be on commentary constantly. And he's in like this mesh shirt and he looks like a real ass white shirt is hideous. It's terrible. It's it's actually goes in the tradition of Sean's bad shirts. Like oh, he yeah. always has a bad shirt on. People make fun of Brett's fashion sense, but Sean's right up there with him. 
So he gets kind of a whatever reaction from this theater crowd here as he poses in the ring. Now we get the actual Raw intro, which is the updated one for 1995. Same song that we're used to, just new graphics. Yeah, just 95 graphics yeah. edition. Decline like graphics. Windows 95 <laughs> yeah. Raw or whatever. So Vince runs down the uh, Savio Vega versus Jeff Jarrett Intercontinental title match tonight. Vince is way more festive than I remember. Well, like his he boy is, toy is out there. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with my favorite wrestler, <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, pretty much. So Sean and his beard think that they're so good as the smoking guns make their entrance. As usual, they look like 38 years old with like their dad. How the fuck did Billy Gunn? I swear he looked older than my dad when I was a kid. Seriously. Like when I was a kid, I was like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he, he's probably, my dad could wrestle him or something. Like they're, they're about the same age, right? They look so old. They're like 22 or what are they? Like they're (laughs) They're, like really young. They're like 30 though. They're still really young. Yeah, But still, still, they're not this age. No, no. They look like they're turning 40 soon. Like no. that they're just kind of in the twilight of their career. I do. I'd like to mention also that more decline here. The ring announcer is Manny Garcia. Okay, is this the guy? shitty, yeah. Is this the Buddy Land, Buddy Ry- Rydell, Rydell guy, yeah. yeah, whatever? Yeah, for whatever reason, Fink just didn't do stuff for some of well, 95. Do you blame him for, why would you show up to this whatever this place is? Vince, I'm not going to do it. A place that's in the corner of fucking, like, sack or whatever. For, you know, <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what I mean. Uh, the Guns opponents are the Black Phantom and Jason Arndt, and I'll let you uh, guess, Quinn. Do you have any guesses as to who these two people are here? I don't know who the, the Phantom looks like. I wish it was Baron Mikel Cicluna, but it's, it's not. not. It's it looks like King almost. It's not King. You want to know who it is? Oh. It's someone we know. Gangrel. Oh really? The vampire warrior Why himself. He like his butt was uh, like sagging or something. Like that's why I thought it was King because King's kind of grounded or whatever. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's Gangrel. Is now, the Black Jason Phantom. Hart? They, it sounded like he said Jason Hart in the whole time. I'm like Jason Hart. <laughs> no, it's Jason Hart. Want to know who that wound up being? It's oh. hard to tell here if you're not looking for I it. I can't even. He he got his ass whooped so quick. I didn't even catch it. Joey Abs. <laughs> Joey Abs. Yes. Man, that's right. I, from his the hair changed posse. so much. Yes, I know. And his sweater did, too. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So I'm glad we have this very exciting squash match to open things up here on Raw. It's amazing that this was like. This was like, the main even show. Even for folks. superstars, this sucks. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and Sean is already annoying. He's like, Have you missed me, Mick, Mick, Mickety, McMadigan? Just shut the fuck up. Why, do you, why are you announcing? <laughs> have you missed me, Mick, Mick, Mickety, McMadigan? No question about it. <laughs> Body slam by Billy on the Phantom and then an arm drag. Meanwhile, we hear talk of Jacob and Ugh. Eli Blue, and I'm like, oh, God. Damn. Like, it's this is what I mean. <laughs> like, this uh, just the roster is crap. It, a lot of it is it's really. It's literally like Sean and Brett just anchor it. And, and Undertaker. No yeah, and, and yeah. I know Diesel, but he's not even as good as the, the other people. <laughs> he's not. Of the big three, Undertaker, Brett, and Sean, Diesel's yeah. like nowhere near them, but like, he's the champion. Like Razor a little bit still yeah. is still kind of good. Yeah. Uh, Jack Doan's a referee if you care. And the giant raw banners are literally like tacked to the walls of this pool hall or whatever we're in. Like someone's Led Zeppelin tapestry in a basement. What is that? Tacked? What is that <laughs> yeah, called? That, that fun tack? Yeah, whatever that that's, shit is. That's yeah. what it looks like. like. In elementary school, they always used it. It's embarrassing. Anyway, Sean rambles on about like Moe and Mabel as the guns are destroying Jason Arndt. I don't want to hear about those two. <laughs> yeah. Irish whip by Bart. Guns get the sidewinder and it's all over. At least it was quick. Yeah, it was literally a nothing. Man. I barely like wrote even notes. There's nothing I was, to write. I was just kind of like, Sean's talking about this and you know yeah, what I mean? It's like, it's like, like, yeah. <laughs> meanwhile the smoking guns do like the gigantic 
super duper fame asser to kind the face from yeah. the, whatever they sidewinder the sidewinder yeah and sean of course see ya wouldn't want to be like what a <laughs> dork yeah see ya wouldn't want to be ya this guy was never cool, Shawn Michaels. As I hate kid, to break it to you. I hate to break it to you. I thought I, that I it was like the coolest shit ever. Like, I, I probably did, did too. And yo, oh. Like you, you just thought like, I think what it was as a it's kid, horrible, Quinn. you were kind of like, I liked. He's on Pettengill levels yeah, of lame. But the thing that I liked about him is he seemed like totally more excitable and like different than the other wrestlers like the other wrestlers like i'm the best i'm like that's all don't they would say don't and make me, fun of brett it's like not that. just brett though it was like Ray's ramon and shit like that but Shawn michaels was kind of like more playful i guess i don't know how else to put it he's just like todd he talks yeah. just like todd pettengill they're maybe, the same maybe thing. ultimately you heard what, it here I, first. What, what little quinn was looking for was the todd the wrestler yeah, like, well, you have him right here. He's, Todd, he's Todd seen, the announcer, anyway. He seemed like the cool kid. Yeah, he's so cool. His yeah. mesh shirt. Yeah. Uh, Vince throws to footage from earlier today where King was outside the office of Isaac Yankum BDS. You mean, you mean foot Yeah, footage. Get it? Yeah. Uh, and this is the beginning ugh. of Kane the Dentist right here. God, like, this. I don't even think Vince realizes the pun in saying footage, by the way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he probably doesn't. I have to admit, like, it's kind of charming in a weird way looking no, back no it's just not. looking back no, that this not. was literally like where kane began yeah like the, the real like charming glenn jacobs mayor kane or whatever <laughs> yeah like he was just a dentist jerry lawler's local dentist I, I do like this quinn i like that king goes to his dentist in his jacket and crown oh he's like <laughs> in full king like yeah. he's not just like in his suit or whatever yeah right right it's it's kind of a it is so interesting though that like <laughs> You know what I love about this? It's like the night after King of the Ring. Like, it's directly connected yes. to the Kiss My Foot. It's just continuing on here. Yeah. And he's just out there cutting this promo, like, in the hallway, Quinn. He's gargling <laughs> in the hallway. It's horrible. Like, who does this? Why would he not do this in the dentist yeah, office? He's it's, outside of his it's office. It's all designed so that they cannot show you Dr. Kane yet. Yeah, not like, yet. We don't get Nova to see him Kane yet. Kane or whatever. Why what? did they never have... No one ever used that pun. It's yeah. a great pun. It should have been revealed at some point that Kane was actually his last name and let his name was Nova Kane. Like his first name was Nova. Yeah, yeah. Paul Bear Root. It's like, little Nova! Stop like, it. Oh, yes! My son Nova no, Kane. No, bad. Yeah. Uh, King says Brett's feet are the smelliest there is, was, and ever will be. It's kind of hilarious King is blaming Brett's feet specifically when King fucked up his feet on purpose yeah. for like a month. Yeah, exactly. Or like two months even. was How long was it? It was, it was so, like, it was at least a month. This was before, like, this is right when we were transitioning to monthly pay So yeah. I feel like King was setting up for this for like at least two months. Actually. Since like in your house ended. It was yeah. like the entire like six weeks or something. But By the way, looking back, that is some fucking Memphis ass dedication yeah. to the, like the, all the vignettes they filmed of like King. Like, I'm going to put my feet in this like horse manure yeah. shit like and like here's the pigs bret hart you're Look gonna the corn you're gonna eat pig farts or whatever you know what i mean like you know what it was yeah i know it was, what you mean it was incredible and the fact that like on commentary he wore just no shoes and the smelly sock with like the one hole he like, put his all into it yeah. i'll give him that yeah it's the one thing i can say about this angle that's kind of great is you, the the attention to detail you might say he put his soul into it Thank there you. you go. That was a foot pun mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Anyway, King promises Brett's going to pay for this while chomping some gum. I have a hint for you. 
Brett will not pay for this. King says that not only is Isaac Yankum the world's greatest dentist, but he used to be the world's greatest wrestler under an assumed name. Mm. And then we get to hear some talk about canker sores, plaque, and gingivitis. Meanwhile, in Atlanta, Eric Bischoff is planning Nitro. We, we then <laughs> He's see, probably looking at this and saying, not, do not do this. Don't do this. Yeah. Uh, we then get to see a 46-year-old man brush his teeth on live television here before cutting back to ringside. And Vince making like E. coli joke. It's all bad. I know, it's so it's, much. It's so bad. Although, it really is. Again, I must like say, King about it, I right? like King is kind of great. Like, well, because he it, cares. You know what the problem is? It's like, King just did, got done cutting this kind of like awesome promo where he just like works this this foot shit, right? Like, yeah. makes it seem like... Really toes the line. It really toes the line, makes it seem like it's the soul of the company and all this shit. And Vince is like, E. coli! And like, it's like, <laughs> shut the fuck up, Vince. Like, Just too much, right? Oh my god. Doesn't know when to stop. Yeah. Uh, Vince says the King of the Ring was unbelievable uh, because Lawler had to eat his own foot. And now we throw to Are a we video... we going to talk about anything else on this show? <laughs> and now it's we... like ten minutes in. Well, we throw to a video package for King of the Ring, narrated by Todd Pettengill. Uh, basically, Mabel beat up Razor Ramon, won the King of the Ring, got coronated. And no one cared. Yeah, no like, one cared. Like, not one person no, gave a shit. I, was, I remember this happening as a kid. I was like, what? Like <laughs> Mabel? Wait, I thought, but The Undertaker and Shawn, Shawn Michaels, Michael. they're in the tournament. Like, how did the fuck did they lose? Like, wasn't Shawn Michaels playing, like, comma or some you shit? couldn't like, beat comma. First round? Yes. Who did Undertaker lose to in Mabel? the first I oh think it was Mabel, God. yeah. Like, yeah. It's pretty bad. That's not even like, that doesn't even match up with anything that they were doing. No, it like, was very rare. Yeah. Very weird. Uh, Mo says, long live King Mabel. Stop. Oh, Meanwhile, Sid ran away from Diesel in one of the worst main events of the year. This feud just wouldn't die. No, like this was a this was a three parter, wasn't this, it? This was crummy. Yeah, yeah it was a three parter. Uh, plus, we get an on screen graphic during this that says "the foot." Yeah, as we that, see. that was really. I actually laughed. I was like, <laughs> and then we get to see King spitting up again, Quinn. How much more of this foot shit? Like enough already? Like it's so much of the show. And if you want to see the encore presentation, it's tomorrow night. Why? Why on earth would anyone want to order the encore? They're showing clips of how bad it is. It looks so bad. <laughs> and now we see clips randomly of Savio Vega's debut in May before going to break. Yeah, you know what's odd about this? This happened at like in your house like two months ago. Yes. Not King of the Ring. But, like, just the way it's presented, they, like, it seems like if you weren't really paying attention <laughs> yeah. to the graphic at the bottom, you'd think, like, oh, I guess this happened at King of the Ring last yeah, night. Yeah, like, because it's right after the King of the Ring package. Right, exactly. And, like, here's Savio's debut yeah, for no I'm reason. Glad it wasn't just me, because I was, like, really, like, I it noted this, and I was like, what, what, this didn't happen here. What no. do you, why is this happening? Because he has the flannel on during this debut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's how yeah. you can tell. It's real. I'm not making that up. He has mm-hmm. the flannel. No Quang mask anymore. Right. And the flannel. We're back now with Skip and Sonny, who are pretty new here. They're making their way out, Quinn. Man, Sonny is just so hot at this point. <laughs> this was like little Quinn, like big crush. Now, you, you know? met her right around this time, right? Yes, I met her in a flea market in Jersey. Was, she might still be there if she's not in jail. I was like a kid, so she's like, come here, honey. And like, I sat on her lap. She's and like, like 23. She's like fucking Santa Claus or yeah. something. She's like... So- yeah. She's so young. You know, she's 22 years old here. Yeah. It's incredible just like how young and how polished she already was as right. a performer for and this honestly, age. Honestly, the one th- thing I will say at this sunny at her at, you know, at the point before drugs and all this shit, yeah. I remember meeting her. She was very professional in a way where like she was good with interacting with fans oh, like sure. on the on all the personal appearances and shit. Right. Right. Because I mean. 
I felt like I was like with one of my mom's friends or something at that age. And like, I just, it was just so like, I think back to it and I'm like, I don't think a lot of star- superstars are that good with kids. Cause wrestling's a kid's product. Like she was like very good at it. Well, like, that's, that's what I meant. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, Shawn Michaels clearly thinking of the future here is like, wait, which one, Sonny? Yeah. Skip's opponent's going to be Scott Taylor in a very goofy singlet. The singlet is horrible. Multicolored. Amazing and- Scotty Tuhati over <laughs> yep. here in like on a raw jobber match. With a greasy mullet and everything. Yeah. Sonny gets on the mic to say that they're Sonny and Skip the Body Donnas. The Tony Little of the World Wrestling Federation. Yep. And the Jane Fonda to both on What she's saying? Her mic is way too low. Yeah, what was that? But it's super clear. It's yeah, it's odd. crisp. It's crisp, but it's like very low. But you could tell it's crisp. It's like, hi, I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, it's like the treble's up, but the volume's down. Yes. Like, that's basically what I thought of it. Yep. Quinn. Danny Davis sighting. Oh, I didn't even notice him. He June. Was it's all shaggy. I didn't even know. I wasn't even paying attention. I was too busy looking at Sonny there. Da- Danny yeah. Davis in June 95, still hanging strong. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Vince talks over Sonny's rambling that you can't hear anyway. To cut to. <sighs> Boy. Barry Dudinsky in the crowd oh who's God. wearing the Hitman sunglasses and a Bret Hart shirt that is like way too big. He's Barry Dudinsky. Barry, where are you? I'm right over here and boy, am I into King of the Ring. Seriously, fuck off, Barry Dudinsky. He looks like an absolute dipshit and he's <laughs> acting like people actually wore this shit. Like, what? Like, like what the fuck? Like, in public? No. Like, nobody. This Not is what 95. you wore, like, to bed. Like, you're like, oh, I got this WF shirt at the live. You know what I mean? I'll wear it, you know, right before I go to bed I'll or wear something. It to bed. Yeah. And he's with this doofy looking fan who was appropriately named Mark, who's wearing the official. King of the Ring 95 trucker hat and shirt. So fashionable. This is embarrassing. (laughs) Seriously, this is crap. And it's very fitting with the Body Donna's music playing (laughs) while they're trying to sell shit. That sounds like infomercial music. It does. Like like, uh, Mike Levy on Amazing Discovery should be out there. so bad. And the best part here, Quinn, is Barry-ass Mark over here. I love this so much. He's like, wasn't King of the Ring great? And Mark's like, no. Yeah, he likes Jake's... It's amazing! And it's like really reflective of the story. They couldn't even get the, the fan who's a Mark to like... You know, say King of the Ring was good. He's like, as no. he's wearing like King of the Ring, like full regalia, looking like a complete dork. It's like King of the Ring sucked, but they don't turn his mic on. You yeah. notice that? But he just shakes. He's like, no, no, don't get it. It's like save me. Like it's written on his eyeballs underneath. Mark, it was spectacular, wasn't it? I gotta tell you something. Oh God, Barry now puts on the Brett hat, which is only nineteen dollars. Meanwhile, Skip is on the mic saying nothing because we can't hear it as we get a bell. Meanwhile, Vince calling Barry and the dork fitness experts to like insult him. Yeah. Like, what the hell? Like, what is that about? Vince like, why is so was, mean? Like, literally, Barry's trying to show Vince's shit. <laughs> a couple and, of fitness experts. And he's like <laughs> making fun of him on comment. It's like fuck you. And he's like, also the fan, like this guy. Clearly, it was just a guy that liked wrestling who was at the show and like, hey, kid, you want to like help me or whatever? And he's, he's like, like, no, not really, but OK, whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, and like Vince goes and makes fun of him, too. It's like, yeah. what a dick. 
This is this is why. This is like literally why this company was ripe for like Eric Bishop to be like, okay, don't do that, don't do that, and like, and then they just like have this runaway success like immediately. Right, that's great. And they just do not this. Like, yeah. Just don't do this show, and you'll yeah, be fine. Yeah. Shaw makes fun of Vince's imaginary toupee. Uh, Skip with some jumping jacks to start, so Taylor kicks his ass off the ropes. Drop down by Skip. Leapfrog by Taylor, but Skip catches the leg, gets an enziguri. Skip poses though, so Taylor drop kicks him right out of the ring, nails the baseball slide. Meanwhile, Sean is just saying a bunch of nonsense on commentary <laughs> as Skip pulls Taylor to the outside. And honestly, Quinn, who would have thought that Scott Taylor would end up being the bigger star out of these two? It's weird, actually, because it's no to fault be, to Chris Candido's. To be fair, Chris Candido insecurity kicks. He's, and shit, no, like, he's excellent wrestler. He's actually really good in the ring. Here. He's really good yeah. always. It's just yeah. not his fault. Skip heads in, leaps off the top road to the outside with a splash. Now, after all these good moves, that <laughs> splash was very dumpy. Yeah, it wasn't like, it good. It was extremely dumpy. It didn't look good. Skip with some push-ups to celebrate in the ring before dragging Taylor back in. And I gotta say, Danny Davis's hair is the most acceptable that I've ever seen. It. <laughs> I always felt like the later it got, the better his hair yeah, it was. It's like, like nicely like styled and cropped and Lord, everything. in the early 80s, it's like something else. It looks like a plant growing yeah. on his head there. Uh, Skip with a top rope Hurricane Rana. And then a push-up pin for the win. Nice moves by Skip overall. Even Sean gives him compliments. Yeah. He's like, oh, Scott's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, maybe I won't steal his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's real. Yeah. Nice squash, uh, honestly. Not bad at all. Vince now throws us to Oklahoma City from last weekend, where Diesel played in a hitting-for-the-heartland celebrity softball game. And in the most hilarious touch in the background, Joe, yes. the music is the Ronda Shear theme from WrestleMania 10. Yes, it is. Are they serious? <laughs> also, like, as, as soon as I heard that, and they didn't, they, they is this barely the issue of baseball field? I swear, I was like, oh, God, Burt Reynolds is somehow going to be involved, Disney. Yeah. Like, he always seems to be connected. I was getting a little nervous myself. <laughs> I was like, he's going to be like, oh, oh it didn't. Wrestlers have muscles and baseball bats now. Or Buy whatever. my book, please. My, yes. <laughs> so apparently this is in tribute for the uh, Oklahoma City bombings, which, which is nice. recently yeah, happened. That, no, very that's nice. That's actually very nice. Uh, Tony Danza Angela pitches to Troy Aikman, who singles. A uh, big failure by Tony Danza <laughs> in the baseball game here. Then we get inaudible footage of Diesel talking to the mayor of Oklahoma City. Mayor Ron Norick, ladies and gentlemen, the Oklahoma City mayor, having a few comments. Wow, thrilling. <laughs> Diesel met a bald mayor. Cool. <laughs> I know. You can't even hear what they're saying. I literally care more about that Tony Danza pitch. Yeah, to that's, that was that the was best part. Way more exciting than Diesel, like, hanging out with some guy. Yeah, and then we get to see him on the dugout talking, and I can't confirm it, but I think I may have seen Dean Kane next to him. I'm not sure, though. Dean Kane was huge in mid-90s. <laughs> Superman, man. Yeah, he him was. And Terry Hatcher. Like, you know what's better than this Raw? Superman. Yeah, the Dean Kane one. It. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the announce table now where Shawn Michaels says Diesel is cool. <laughs> well, he's a face now, so he has to say that. It's weird because it's like noted enemy, Shawn like, Michaels, yeah. like from, from like, like a couple ago. minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. And he's still wearing the horrible shirt. He, but, and he says something like also like the way he says he's cool is even like, you know, Big Daddy cool. He's cool. Yeah, like it's, it's like it's so like such an afterthought like comments. It's horrible. As if we needed more recaps, Vince now throws again to Todd Pettengill, who filed the King of the Ring report last night. <sighs> Todd says nineteen thousand fans jam packed the spectrum. I bet eighteen thousand nine fifty were disappointed. I think uh, give you saying fifty of them were actually okay with it is a little yeah, of an overestimate. Maybe but. you're right. Todd says that King suffered 
the agony of defeat. I'm glad he said that. Your actually, dad, it, it was necessary. Your dad will like yeah, that joke. That, my dad used to make that joke before King did that I'm shit. I'm sure like, he did. Uh, Tom wants to talk about the horrendously awful main event of Diesel and Bam Bam again versus Tatanka and Sid. And you can see it tomorrow if you want on the encore. Gorilla Monsoon is hosting the <laughs> okay, encore. We need footage of that. Because- <laughs> I'm a suck, Todd. <laughs> I don't like. Are, is it like intros in between? Yeah. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's like wraparounds. This is fucking awful. <laughs> this is terrible show. Wait, oh my goodness. Where's Hawkster? <laughs> you know what I mean. Essentially, though, Sid and Tataka dominated for a while, but then Sid walked out because he's a big weenie. He's only pin Tataka because he sucks. Yeah. I mean, like, like Tataka could handle himself yeah, right, here. Sure. Uh, maybe Sid left to go play in that softball game. Oh, true. See. I- you know, it is weird that Sid wasn't the one at that shit. They should have been on opposing teams. It would have been great. And, and, I, and Sid would have won because he's, you know how he consistently, he's like a minor league softball player yeah, he's or a something. practiced athlete with that. That's true, right? That yeah. he actually played minor league softball. He like, played something. And that's why he was like gone all the time. I don't know whatever. if that part is true, but he did play softball. You always yes. used to tell me this and I was like, well, well everyone said it. It makes sense because it's like he would always disappear in the summer. But I think it was usually like drugs or something that he was gone. It's just odd that he disappeared specifically at baseball season. Well, you know, yeah. maybe you liked it. Uh, so anyway, next month at In Your House in July, we're going to have Diesel versus Sid. In a lumberjack match, Quinn. Honestly, that sounds horrible. Like, it should be on Raw. <laughs> and, and the graphic for this match is all hideous. It's like this disproportionate 3D ring behind... Horrible. Yeah. Just so bad. Just very decline. Yeah. It really is. It's yeah, lame. really so decline It is. Now, Savio Vega cuts a locker room promo about how he'd love to win the IC title. Okay. Jeff got it. You're a tough guy. You're the champ right now in Monday Night Raw. It's the great opportunity for Savio Vega bring the title to Latin American people, to all my friends. We get a package now for next week's main event. That's going to be Sid versus Bam Bam Bigelow on now, Raw. Todd, in the package, <laughs> he says Sid is the VP of the corporation. <laughs> titles? <laughs> By the way, seriously, this million dollar corporation is total shit. Like, they're having trouble with Bam Bam, a mid-carter. Aren't they supposed to be like this elite money squad or some shit? I don't know. Like, it's just... I. They hate them so much, They're this terrible. million dollar corporation. They're terrible. What? They suck the life Why out of this year. Why are they year? having so much problems with Midcard? Why is Tatanka horrible? What is everything here? It's bad. Why is DiBiase not cut a memorable promo ever during this He's period? so horrible. It's all bad. The best thing he did was like when he got all mad at that thing when the guy was taking the set away and all that. <laughs> like he, <laughs> On he, that last All-American. That whole show is bad except DiBiase being hilarious. Yeah, he is it. funny. Uh, Manny Garcia now introduces us to... Man, Mountain Rock, who's in the ring to play his usual generic hard rock. God, that WF guitar was great. My dad loved it so much in the oh, day. Oh, you've told me, right? Yeah. Like, he was a big fan. Big fan of the WF. It, like, this is what I remember about this era is my dad used to watch a lot of episodes with me. Right. And I just remember him, like, like just, I always thought it was kind of great that my dad just loved this guitar, like, so much. And he liked a Portuguese Man of War, Eldamantoya, right? Well, he just thought that was it's funny, funny yeah. because it was just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Shawn Michaels, of course, yells rock and roll for no reason All during in this. the horrible, like Ugh. the Rad Radford voice. He's like, rock, rock and roll! roll. God. Roll! Rock and roll! <laughs> Vince is like, if it's too loud, you're too old. Uh, meanwhile, Vince probably listens to the band Bread. <laughs> Soft Vince probably just, I don't know. Vince probably listens to Big Band. Like, <laughs> Glenn Miller. Yeah. Hey, have you ever tried Man, that rock here does get a nice ovation. Yeah, people 
like yeah, that like, opening. Oh, he is a good guitarist. Yeah, it was he good. He's good. And actually, I like the whole thing where it was dark and then the lights came on like with pyro. Yeah, it's good. They, why, that is good. What? Why was this the guy that went on the cutting room floor? It seemed like people actually like this. I forget why. There's yeah. a reason, though. There's a, a backstage reason. I, I forget. It's just obvious that among all the things on this show, it was strange that Man Mountain Rock was one of the more over things. He was. Like, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of his pajamas that he wrestles of in. Of course, but they, that was stuff that could have been refined can, over time. Yeah, like that's I, all I mean. And I love the guy as Max Payne. Right. Great. But anyway, um, he's going to be taking on Phil Apollo. Of course, Sean's like he's got a new movie coming out, Apollo 13. Phil Apollo. Yeah. He got a new movie coming out, doesn't he? Apollo 13. I, I don't. He and it. Tom Hanks. He's a big star. Why is he on commentary? <laughs> like, I love him, but this is just not what he should be doing. <laughs> so bad at, at it. Like, he's just, you know what it is? is he, man. He has this, here's the thing, he's face here. Yeah. And he's trying a lot of these, like, heel jokes. Like, almost they're king jokes. Yes. And it just makes him, it doesn't, A, it doesn't fit his character as being, like, supposed to be, like, this hip guy or whatever. Yeah, hip. It's also, he's not a fucking heel anymore. Yeah, I like, know. Like, that's, it just, nothing, it doesn't work. He's not funny ever, though, generally, Sean. He's yeah. not a funny person. And that's actually, I've always thought was, that that was actually a sort of funny fact about him. He's really not funny. Like his friends would say like, oh, he's like not really that, but we love him because yeah. he's, so, he's got a mind for the business. Yeah. He's really good in the ring. He's a big and it, dork. And I just thought it was always great that they kind of excused his dorkiness. And it's almost like ironic that his character is a cool guy. Yeah, he probably would admit he sucks at doing it. I think he said this. Yeah, I'm like, sure I think he, has. he He jokingly says that like his character is like the exact opposite yeah. of him in real life. He's just like, a down to earth, you know, hunting, fishing type yeah, of fan. You know, like, like, and it's just it's just always funny when he's reaching yeah, like, for it. I that's guess, true. It's kind of like charming in a weird way. You're right. I'll give yeah. you that. Uh, we get a lock up here. Phil can't body slam Mad Mount Rock. So he uh, rock nails a double underhook belly to belly. Nicely done. Phil Paul looks like he's from 1982. Yes, I'm not does. even kidding. No, you're right. He does. Looks so out of place <laughs> here. <know. laughs> Timmy White is our referee here. As Sean makes jokes about Bob Backlund hanging out with Ted Kennedy at a juice bar. Seriously, Stop. can we get Doc out here to do yeah. it now? Uh, seriously. <laughs> uh, rock misses a corner charge, but uh, clotheslines Apollo anyway. Nice body slam by Man Mountain Rock into an arm bar submission that they actually called the whammy bar. That's great. Okay. That's li- it's wonderful, <laughs> actually. I like this guy, though. He's yeah. good. He really was. He was you know, good. Here's the thing. Is all of this is bad, Joe, but yes. the goofiness is so oddly, like, for, for a fan nowadays... Where everything has to be so serious. Oh yeah. There's something God forbid you do anything stupid. There is something so like refreshing about this watching this from like a twenty twenty perspective of oh. just like they just don't give a shit. Like they're just like it's goofy because yeah. Sure. Why? Like, fuck it. Like, the guy's you know? got a dirty foot and a personal dentist. Why not? Yeah, you know? exactly. I know it's bad. <laughs> it is, but bad. it's also like at this point we've hit this point in time, I guess, where it's just. Yeah, we know it sucks, but like let's it's endearing. Have, let's have fun with it, yeah. right? And that's what I like even nowadays when they reminisce about the new generation era. It like the the, the thread is that yeah, it's goofy as fuck, but it's whatever. Still fun. Yeah. This week Raw is brought to us by Pet Boys. And that's it. <laughs> it's so motor oily. It's yeah, I so know. fucking wrestling. And now brand new King Mabel makes his way out and 
so, somehow there are people actually able to carry him on the sedan, but like barely, and they make a whole thing. I actually kind of liked it. I like how they're sort of struggling. Yeah. He has a fucking sword, I by the way. I love it. The sword, why did nobody ever get the sword again? It's he, amazing. That's the one cool thing about King Mabel is the sword. It's great. He's so into it, and he's yeah. got like the sunglasses. It's funny. I'm sorry. It's uh, stupid as hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's insulting that like not, the fact that the people in the tournament, that's the part that always rubbed me the wrong It's like. Power Undertaker and Shawn Michaels in this tournament. It's they don't great. win. It's great. Hey, so stupid. Uh, Mabel's opponent is Kenny Kendall, as if that even matters. Basically, looks like Mike Kyoto with muscles. Yeah, like, he really does. He really does. Sir Mo is all Dapper Quinn in his black suit. He is in all his glory. This is the moment for like the night after KOTR. Like, yeah, definitely. Sir Mo was he knighted yet? With the sword. I think he is. Yeah, I think he's was knighted. He, he was knighted at like the moment he became king. I think right? so. Yeah, with the sword. He's a fantastic yeah. knight. Yeah. He really is. He, he really cares. It's an like honor. That, the one, okay, the one thing I will say about Mo is like, he's extra shitty, but he's he, so good in this role. This role of the stooge for King Mabel. Perfect. He, 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 he gets his ass whooped like a lot. Yes. And he looks like he means everything that he's doing. Oh, like, that, he's like, so is, into it. This is like, this is his moment, right? Yep. It's like his, his brother or whatever Mabel is to him. Like, yeah, I don't they, know what they are. They act like they're cousins. Or, they're on a mission. They're, they're on a mission. that They accomplished the mission at King of the Rank. Yes, they did, Quinn. They're horrible, but they accomplished it. They accomplished it. it. So, <laughs> good on you, Mo. This is your big moment. It's only for like a couple months. Enjoy soak it. Soak it up, Mo. Yeah, soak it all up and in the aircraft hangers or whatever. <laughs> Referee's going to be Mike Kyoto. Speaking of him, Mabel with some choking and yelling to start. Corner whip and a ghetto blaster by Mabel. That was what? pretty cool. Uh, Mabel tosses Kenny out of the ring and goes to whip him into the steps. Meanwhile, Vince is all like, Mabel is using tactics not seen since Henry VIII, and Sean is all like, maybe I'll read more history. Like, I hate this so Horrible. much. Horrible. Uh, back in, body slammed by Mabel. Kenny Kendall with some uninspired right hands, but he walks right into a big, fat belly-to-belly for the win. Gotta say, I love Mabel's oh, music, like too. That? Yeah. I never liked it that yeah, much. It's fine. Uh, Vince hypes up the debut of Whale and Mercy, and we get it yet. yes. Good now, stuff. Now, this... Okay. You know how this era, right, just a lot of the worst gimmicks. Yeah. But, like, they threw so many fucking gimmicks out there that one of them had to stick. And this Whale and Mercy thing. This one's good. Oh, my God. It's so creative. It like, is. I understand that it's a it's ripoff Max of Katie. Max Katie, but it fits wrestling so yeah, well. Like, that's it the just, thing. Oh, if you never seen this Whale and Mercy shit, you really got to because it, it's ahead it, of its time. It's ahead of its time. It's exactly what Bray Wyatt did. Start of that, like, yeah. Way, Bray Wyatt is basically like the Whale and Mercy character carbon copy. But actually, I think Danny Spivey did a way better job as Whale and Mercy. Um, yeah, about the same. It's Bray, just he didn't have the time. He didn't that, have the time, and he was injured too. Yeah. So that's why his career didn't last long. Right. But this character, man, this it's was really just, good. This is like a bright spot in '95. Oh, yeah. Like this whole thing. Yep. So we cut to him in a lifeguard chair on the beach, and he's like, I'm out here protecting people from drowning and whatever. It's all cryptic. <laughs> yep. And like, as a kid, you're like, what? Like, what is this? Yeah. Like, this is so weird. Who is this guy? Yeah. But the funny thing is, when I get to the WWF, lives are going to be in Whalen Mercer's hands. Pause. <laughs> know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking good. Literally the best part of this whole shit I agree show with is you. like just seeing Whalen Mercy. Oh, I remember when he debuted on like, was it on Raw or Superstars? It was I think like, it was Raw. Yeah. I think it was but the next on week. on Superstars a lot also. And mm-hmm. I just remember him just seeming so different than everything. And it, him being like actually creepy, unlike The Undertaker, who was like overblown. like Friendly creepy. Yeah. But like it <laughs> was like by, by, by the time the Taker was so overt about his creepiness. Yes. That Whale and Mercy was so subtle. Mysterious. But it like hit you. 
in a weird way. Like, and you're just like, man, this guy seems fucked right like, with this guy. Yeah, he seems fucked Something's up. Something's wrong. And here. then he does like he had that weird tattoo on his yeah, head, a little dagger. But it was like tiny, it was tiny like, dagger. And and he would do that sleeper hold, and he would just look into the camera Intensely. as he was doing. And yeah, Spivey nailed the character. It, like, Spivey nailed like, it. Hit it right out on the, the head park, here yeah. and like it was perfect and i i just think like it's only like a month or something it's not long it's a couple yeah, of months because he gets like really fucking injured like to the point where he can't wrestle and anymore. he was broken down to begin with yeah. but man he he nailed the character if work only he could have just kind of rode out his injuries and was able to recover because holy shit i know he was good yeah uh, we cut back to vince who says yeah we know what he means uh vince then segues into more sid and diesel talk as sean says sid is all fluff and no stuff he's still wearing a mess shirt by the way <sighs> vince now throws to another todd pettengill report this one's about the wwf hall of fame which also took place this weekend mm-hmm. uh, we get to see the current stars like bam bam Bigelow wearing a suit and being all nice some kid in a terrible shirt making a dumb face bob holly signed autograph who wants bob holly's autograph Nobody, not, not one person at this point in time. <laughs> the Undertaker was also there in character, of course. Why are they showing the current stars? And why is Todd acting like this is fucking Cooperstown? <laughs> like he is like the WWF. But he's talking about like how like they're meeting legends or whatever, yeah. right? And these guys aren't the let. They're, they're Bob not Holly's the, a real legend. Uh, Just no, ask him. He isn't. Just ask him. <laughs> Savio Vega. Savio Vega legend. <laughs> he accepted a. Uh, for uh, Pedro Morales on his behalf. Of course he did. Grand Wizard's friend. Exactly. Like, that's real. They're like his friend Bob Harmon Bob or something. guy, whatever. Yeah, yeah I was like, who? Uh, Anton- this was sweet. Antonina Rocca's wife accepted for him. That was, yeah, was really sweet. really nice. Yeah. She like cried during the speech and everything. Yeah, like, very, very nice. Like, I, I was actually like happy that yeah. like, they showed it. Even. No, it was like, nice. It was fun. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. Like, I know. I, neither it, am I. It's like, I like when like normal people who are like married to the rest of the people that had to deal with these outrageous personalities yeah. on a day-to-day basis and that they give them the awards. It's and, nice. Yeah. Very nice. It's good. But I will sincerely try to express what I think he would have liked me to say. Fabulous Mole also went in that piece of crap. George Steele, who got... A, what, okay, what is this? This is so weird. He got a video message from Bill Murray on an elephant, and I'm not making any of that up. This is so weird. The clip is like them with the camera on a TV Yeah, like they're filming, filming the, the TV. TV. Bill right. Murray challenges Steele to... Like, what is this <laughs> shit? Like, he what, does! This is, this is his big, like, Hall of Fame induction. Like, the <laughs> last real. moment he'll ever have at being recognized in wrestling is Bill, this. Is Bill, Bill Murray. Murray on an elephant on, like, a shitty TV. It's great. Well, they met each other while filming Ed Wood, which okay. George Steele was right, in, right. where he played Tor Johnson. Anyway, Ernie Ladd was also inducted... Todd had to explain who he I is. I know, it's sad. Yeah. But I guess in 95, I understand that. I didn't the, know who he was as a kid. kids watching probably I, don't uh, know. Personally, I didn't know. No, I didn't like, either. I was like, who? Uh, Ivan Putsky, who happily sings his song while everyone's clapping along. It's all good. He looks literally the same as like the 80s here. Yes. And his hairy son is all behind him. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. You know what's weird about this, by what? the way? Like, only like what three years later in 98 ivan putski would like years re- later. wrestle or whatever he two didn't, years he didn't look like that no i know uh, what the fuck happened i don't know i honestly don't know uh, i wish the hall of fame was still like this this small intimate banquet yeah, style i the, love it yeah it's much nicer when the fans can't like shit on it like yeah. they let them there for autographs but it's not filmed or anything yeah. and then they just kind of clip it up so you can just see the like nice things that happen i know instead it's- of this like fucking spectacle that it is yeah now. it's like not even anything it's not <laughs> like it really isn't it's, you're right it's not anything i it's like they're filming them behind the scenes in a weird way yeah. like that's what i feel about the current version it's like 
oh, it's interesting because we might see them fuck up or, like, do something stupid. Yeah. Like, but it's supposed to just be for them. And, like, it's supposed... Like, I just feel it's ruined now. By the way, be sure to stay tuned for our Hall of Fame special coming yes. up later this month. Uh, we cut back to Raw where Intercontinental Champion Jeff Jarrett is entering the ring with the roadie. Double J, of course, looking for some dimes. <laughs> None are given predictably. <laughs> it's horrible. Vince now hypes up the world premiere of the With My Baby Tonight music video this weekend on Superstars. Well, the song is good. It wasn't him, of course. Of course, but it was Road Dog. Now, again, I find I always find it interesting yeah. during this time period. Do I just need to mention this? The fact that shit would actually happen on Superstars. Yeah, still. Yeah. Still in 95. <laughs> yeah. Not as it, much, it's, but... It's kind of great. And I, this is that's the actual reason I would watch, like, I wouldn't miss a Superstars oh, every week. Always Because something it. would happen on it that would, like, matter. Yep. I watched it all the way until it moved to USA, and it's, then I realized it didn't matter yeah, anymore. Yeah, once became very recappy. Yeah. But, like, this still is the period where, like, they had two shows, basically. Like, s- shit happened on yeah, Superstars. Superstars still mattered. Savio Vega's very good music hits, and he saunters out all happily. The music is all sassy. I love it. Dan, yeah. Dan, that like dear, it's so like, good it's, it's so happy i love it yeah. uh, earl shithead will be a referee here roadie sneaks up on savio with the bell but gets caught allowing jared to attack from behind this is making a big fuss how savio wrestled four times last night and how that's a record didn't the macho man do this at <laughs> wrestlemania 4 and he won <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what is he, he talking about savage doesn't exist anymore remember so they um, you know i swear they nope. had savio go through the whole thing just so they could say like oh look this guy that works for us did it probably no, seriously, they probably, probably. Really that. Irish whip by Double J, hip toss by Savio, big right hand. Savio to the second rope with a double axe, back up again, another double axe for two. Jarrett begs for timeout and then yanks Savio into the corner, hammers away. Corner whip by Jarrett is reversed by Savio into a nice clothesline. Irish whip is reversed by Jarrett and a leapfrog, but Savio catches Jarrett in a power slam, lands some punches on the ground. Vince is all excited and decides to explain that a title can only change hands <laughs> by pins or submissions, so you know Jarrett is going to pull some yeah, shit. Because like, Vince is randomly like... Way to fucking spoil it. <laughs> yeah, by the way, you know, yeah. here in the World Wrestling Federation, <laughs> like as if it's different anywhere yeah. else. <laughs> Brody hops up on the apron. Jarrett collides with him. Big clothesline by Savio sends Jarrett to the floor as Sean, Sean decides to get up from the table and yank on Rody's braids. And Vince is like, get him out of here. <laughs> this was sort of funny because it, it was, was just so random. Like, yeah. And Sean, of course, gets all dorky as we go to break. Doesn't Sean like it briefly was her? Oh, it's real. Like, yeah. like <laughs> Oh, Sarah's real, Vin man. Yeah. Uh, we come back from break. Jarrett's in control now in the ring. Swinging neckbreaker by Double J. He dominates for a bit. Rody helps when it's convenient. Double J misses a rope attack and Savio nails a back suplex. Both men are down. Savio with a one-armed pin for two. Both men up. Rock bottom by Savio. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah. Jarrett begs off. Savio fires up again with right hands. Irish whip. Jarrett reverses. Rody hooks the leg though. So Savio just kicks him down right over to Shawn Michaels. Shawn shoves the Rody back and gets up from the table. And of course, this gets a huge pop. Bigger than like anyone in the company. <laughs> yeah, bigger than the wrestling going on right yeah, now. Yeah, seriously. Meanwhile, Jarrett hops down now but gets punched by Shawn. For whatever reason, Earl seems to be fine with yeah, everything. Yeah, that was weird. He fucked up, I think. Yeah. I don't think he was supposed to be seen. And how it. is Savio, like, not dq That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Maybe Earl was too concerned with getting himself over instead of looking like an official in a wrestling no, match. No, actually, he I... sucks ass. Personally, I think that... Um, Bullcrap. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here. Is no. that they said, like, they, we can't disqualify the face. No, he probably just wasn't supposed to be seeing that. Oh, okay. He was supposed to probably be distracted oh, oh, by Rody, but I he, see what you're you saying. know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, okay. So anyway, an O'Connor roll by Savio gets a one, two, Rody flies in with a clothesline. Now we get the DQ. Because right. so again, the heel has to be DQ. Heel has to be DQ'd. Sean now comes in to help and kicks Jarrett's ass. You mean to tell me this whole commentary, like, appearance was just to set up for this match at In Your House, wasn't it? 
Yeah, like probably. Yeah. Why did he have to be on the whole show? Couldn't they just like come out right before or something? <laughs> Couldn't, yeah, I don't know. Just, like have King like just do mouth jokes the whole time. Have Doc out there. Doc was fine. No, no it wasn't. He's as a I commentator. Read, I read is okay. Todd. He's a better commentator. Todd. Yeah. As a commentator. No, as a oh, co- child. Color. Because <laughs> Doc is horrible. Sean's still wearing the shirt, by the way. Uh, the heels scurry away. Sean's music hits. <laughs> well, that tells you who's the real important one here. Yeah. <laughs> like, clearly, Savio's not getting a rematch. No. Like, <laughs> uh, Sean does raise Savio's hand as we go to break. We come back where Sexy Boy is still playing. Now a shirtless Sean is dancing on the announce table. All proud. Yeah, and at least he took the shirt off finally. Well, good. Yeah, good. Uh, Vince hypes up Bam Bam versus Sid again for next week as Nobody, well. No, please, no. <laughs> as well as the Waylon Mercy debut. That That's okay. That's good. I, I want to see that. And then we get a shot of two bored 58-year-old guides. Uh, and then <laughs> Sean, Vince is like, Sean's rocking the house. And then we see a shot of a bored kid. Meanwhile, Jared and Rhodey storm back out. Jared gets on the mic. And this was probably meant to be an off-camera thing because we fade out right there. So this is the thing, though. They did a lot back then, though, like on a lot of these. Because I just remember, like, as a kid with all these Raws, that they always act like they were running out of time and, like, shit would happen near the end a lot. Yeah, I think they fucked up. You, I think it was think, supposed to be an off-camera. You think? Like an after-the-show-for-the-fans type of thing? Yeah, I think so. I wonder why they, like... I mean, this shit's in the can. I wonder why this happened. This is live. Oh, this is the live one? This is the live one. I wasn't sure the whole time, this to be one's honest live. with you. Okay. Yeah. That's how it usually was, right? Yeah. They, like, they the taped the next one, one right yeah. after this, okay. and the, ne- the next three, I think, got taped after this. Right. Uh, but anyway, this show is exactly what I would expect from mid-95 WWF, yeah, Quinn. Yeah, it mostly stunk, but I gotta say, glimmer of hope for like the fans of the time with yeah. the suggestion that actual good wrestler Shawn Michaels will feud with the IC champ and hopefully end this reign of shit. Spoilers, he did. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not, as much as I like to make fun of Shawn Michaels now, uh, I was very into Shawn at the time, and I was yeah. very happy when he beat Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. Not gonna lie. This whole show, you're like, why is he here? And then when you realize why he's here, you're it like, makes more sense. oh, thank God. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just like, there's actual, like, a payoff. Yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? It's just like, oh, he's gonna kick that loser's butt. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, basically. <laughs> One thing, though, after watching this, and probably any other Raw from around this time that I can say is, uh, Thank goodness for Monday Nitro coming soon. And yeah, it was really necessary. Up. Like seriously, I mean, see, here's the one thing is that you can tell this Shawn Michaels thing really was them making an attempt to give you something you wanted to see. Yeah, because there like, wasn't much. It's still, it's just not enough. No, it wasn't enough. But overall, the crap was all short. Yeah, for the most, like the Savio Jarrett match is pretty good. What was it? Like four matches in that shit. Yeah, most of them were. It's, am- quick. it's always amazing to me how they can fit in so much stuff in forty five minutes. But really, especially with all the foot talk and Barry Dudinsky and all we, that stuff. You know, as children, we thought, oh man, two hours. That now we can really have like a lot of matches. Yeah. but they already were doing that. They were doing a lot of stuff, yeah, folks. Yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here for yet another week as we get into WrestleMania season. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can join our group and talk about the old wrestling. And if you want to, if you have iTunes, you want to leave us a review. We'd yeah. really appreciate that. And again, if you want to donate, if you want to support us in any way, you can head over to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Get the live reviews, the pay-per-view reviews. It's all there. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next time, until next week, I'm Joe Murata. That's Michael Quinn. And we are out of here. See ya. Hi, people. Guess what? It's Waylon Mercy again. <laughs> Ain't it something? I'm out here on the beach, up here on the lifeguard stand. 
Now I know you people must think that's kind of peculiar, but what the heck? Well, the mercy's out here protecting people from drowning and whatever. You know, the funny thing is that when I get to the WWF and I get in that ring, the wrestlers that get into that ring's lives are going to be in Whalen Mercy's hands. <laughs> Have you thought about that? <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? What I mean? <laughs>